There's a little thing that says Quipster has something to say. Welcome to episode 35 of the Narrative Wargamer podcast, a non-competitive 40k podcast with a focus on fun and narrative gameplay, as well as hobby news and our latest hobby projects. I am Tony Rhodes, and tonight I'm joined by special guests, Adam, aka ADR Wargaming, and Alex, aka Quipster, from the Conclave podcast. Hello. Hello, friends. Hello. (laughs) So yeah, uh, thanks for joining me tonight, guys. It's um, honestly, it's both a kind of a surprise and pleasure to have you both on because uh, oh, it's I'm, a pleasure I'm a to be of, here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of your own show, and I'm, I'm really glad you wanted to come on. Oh, it's so, so cool! Thank you. <laughs> honestly, it's actually it's so fun like meeting people who listen to us because like this our podcast is always just, it's the four of us just sitting down just chatting nonsense, and so when people are just like, "Oh, we love listening to you," we're just like, "Oh my god, people." Yeah, surprise, surprise, more than anything. And I, I think, like, you know, to, I think it's always it's just nice to meet new people in the hobby, full stop for us, right? And one of the oh things God, that's, yeah. been, that's been really nice, I think, especially um, as we've come out of lockdown, you know, which obviously everybody has kind of, you know, suffered through over the last year, year and a half, two years almost, right? It's actually really nice to go out and meet people, whether it's doing narrative events, whether it's doing painting, whether it's coming on podcasts, um, you know, going to events. And I'm not going to talk about events too much because I appreciate it's a non-competitive <laughs> podcast. But, you know, actually getting to hang out with people again and roll some dice and just have a yeah. chat about 40k, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I have to say the funniest thing for me right now is because I'm so used to listening to you two just talking anyway, I'm going to have to remember to engage in the conversation and realise this is live for me. <laughs> I'm not actually just listening to you two on your own show. Yeah. You'll soon know, because it will just be us talking any old waffle, which is what we normally do. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I wouldn't have asked you here if I didn't enjoy your contributions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just as a, sort of a little heads up to uh, the listeners tonight. Um, one, first of all, I might sound a little croakier than normal, and apparently Alex has similarly been fighting with some sort of sore throat or cough all week, so uh, we might be Dude. a little raspy tonight. <laughs> Dude, I've got my, my ill husky voice today. <laughs> my, my jazz jazz uh, presenter Joanna, voice. Joanna, Joanna Lumley, if she worked for Nurgle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god no one needs that image zombie fight <laughs> joanna lumley just like shambling towards you what what's what kind of shows does she do i don't even know well she just does travel shows these days she used to be an absolutely fabulous uh but then she just does these travel shows these days where she goes and visits things as far as i'm aware <laughs> okay i was gonna make some sort of quip it's a about, weird like, tan- it's like a weird yeah. tan- god this is so on brand for us. Just like some weird random tangent that goes literally nowhere. So, so, so well, for the maybe. listeners, if Tony, Tony, I was going to say, if Tony doesn't mind me saying, Tony has a very, very well planned out series of show notes, which he very kindly sent to us, which he said, look, this is what we're going to talk about. This is how it's going to run. Uh, and already we've ruined it. So, oh, yeah, not ruined anything. I, I was going <laughs> to say, I, I was like, hey, if you, if you need to avoid tangents, there's a lovely set of show notes to refer to, but I have no problem with tangents. <laughs> sure. So, um, 
I, I guess what we'll do then is we'll jump straight into um, just introducing you both. I mean, I'm sure plenty of listeners will already have either listened to Conclave or many other places. They might have, you know, encountered you or followed you on um, social media and such. But I'd like to ask a couple of questions of my new guests, just as I sort of get to know you and your like, hobby experience, really. So I think we'll just jump straight off of some of those. So how about... My first sort of question to you both is, how long have you each been playing 40k? Mm. Adam, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So uh, let's 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 work out what do we mean by playing 40k. No, mm. I'm not going to get that <laughs> philosophical. Um, so when I was when I was a lot younger, uh, I was into, and I think we have talked about this on the Conclave. Um, the I think my first encounter with with tabletop wargaming was um, the battle uh, the stri- battle for Middle Earth or strategy battles in Middle Earth. I can't remember exactly what it was called. I know some listener out there is going to be like, you've got the name wrong, you fool. But you know what I mean. It was the magazine uh, that came out around the time of Lord yeah. of the Rings. Um, that had the kind of you could collect the you know Uruk High, the orcs, everything like that, the little models. That was my first contact, I guess, with Games Workshop. Um, and off the back of that, I got into what would have been around four, third or fourth edition, um, and played a few games. Then I had like some Tau, I had some Guard, I had some Chaos. Um, I, like to say that I played it properly is probably incredibly generous, especially given how. Look, look when you look look back on those rules they were like relatively complex compared i mean i know 40k is still a little bit complicated but you know those early editions had like your blast templates you had flamer templates you had scatter dice stuff like tank shock there's like kind of whole other concepts which just don't really exist and have kind of simplified the game so i, I remember i used to get on the bus on a sunday i'd go down to the bromley games workshop at the glades there's any listeners in southeast london you might be aware of the the bromley store uh, and i used to go to a beginner's morning um at uh, at that and and play around with my uh, my little badly painted Although, you know, attempt at conversion happened early. I do actually have a slightly green-stuffed Chaos Space Marine from that sort of era. Um, but like so many people in the hobby, I um, sort of, you know, stopped playing uh, around probably the age of about 12 or 13 or so, maybe a little bit older than that. And um, yeah, probably probably about 12 or 13, I think. And then didn't come back to the hobby until really, I guess, late... 2018 i think it would have been because it was it was yeah, actually my other... about the same time. yeah i think we started about the same time yeah it was it was actually my other half's fault in in probably the worst decision she's ever made um, as far as she's concerned i had a bit of a bad time uh, at work in my job i got quite got quite ill and i had to take take a little bit of time off and uh, i was quite stressed I, I have a job that can be quite stressful um and um the uh she sort of said well didn't you used to paint these little models when you were a kid and you know you stare at a screen all day at work you come home you like i was reading on my ipad or i was like messing around on on the playstation or whatever she's like you stare at a screen at home why don't you uh why don't you paint these models and lo <laughs> it began <laughs> uh and yeah since then i've been i've been collecting painting playing um both sort of doing campaign stuff do, trying to do competitive stuff as well um and it's just really grown from there and i've been lucky enough to you know meet some brilliant people you know obviously alex being being one of them um you know local to me yeah exactly like local to me um in in london who have become like you know among my best friends which is amazing it's a testament to the nature of the community um so yeah that's 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 how long i guess in total (laughs) sorry rambling answer (laughs) well it's i mean it's funny because it's very sort of similar to my experience because like on paper i've been playing for about 20 years like, mm. I've been oh my God. like yeah, I've been playing since like nineteen ninety eight when I was seven. <laughs> nice. 
Um, Consistently? So, technically, again, on paper, yes, consistently. Um, I've played every edition of 40k from 3rd through to 9th. Um, I played Warhammer, I played Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Yeah, I played Warhammer Fantasy Battles um, through what I think was 4th or 8th. Um, original okay. Blood Bowl at the time and stuff like that, and a ton of other stuff. Oh my god. I played Battlefleet oh, Gothic okay. <laughs> when it was a thing. For a start, Battlefleet Gothic, absolutely legendary, but I do have, I do want to interject with a question which might derail this. So you <laughs> played, you played like all through all the different uh, episodes, um, editions of fantasy, right? I think it was four fair dice standard fantasy, but yeah. Okay, so fourth till like it stopped at eighth, right? Yeah. Okay, so when the world literally exploded and AOS became a thing, like, what was that like for you, being someone who was like actually in that hobby at the time? Because like, I only know it as like a thing that happened in history, so, so to speak. It's funny. Um, so that was what twenty fifteen when they blew up the old world. I believe it was something like that. Back in the um, old days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and this is what I mean by like, so on paper I've been playing consistently in that I've always played the additions, I've always played a couple of games wherever they were, but my sort of break, so when I was like um, 18 uh, and went to uni and stuff like that, um, I actually... girls. Well, <laughs> so funnily girls enough, are drinking. I mean, yes, but I was a big enough of a nerd that I never gave up on the nerdy stuff. Um, in fact, I, I went to uni in Nottingham. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay, love yeah. it. <laughs> when, when, when you had to do your personal statement and they said, why is it that you want to study, you know, this subject at Nottingham? You were like, don't say Warhammer World, don't say Warhammer World, don't say Warhammer World. <laughs> Warhammer World. <laughs> I mean, because I like space the, marines. It wasn't the only reason, but yes, for about two years, Warhammer World was my local store. Oh my God. Funnily enough, I like it. In my time when I was there, and there'll be a reason why I didn't do this anymore. But back when Bugman's was a little more lax on it, what it allowed, um, I actually discovered Magic the Gathering through a group of friends who I played with at Bugman's. Oh. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Um, Super and magic. So I did up until about six months ago, when I got to a point oh, where okay. I was just like, I don't have time for it anymore, and the thing I want to focus on yeah. is what. Um, nice. So my gap with the hobby, as it were, was actually that I got really heavily into Magic the Gathering for about um, like five, six years, and and Warhammer became my secondary hobby. So I still played, I saw the armies, blah 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 blah. But actually, for me, I'd say that like going back to the hobby and take uh, not taking it seriously, but like finding a new level of involvement in it was about 2017 when sort of the Eighth Edition rolled around. Um, mm. So since then, I've been really, you know, gaining traction with actually having my first ever fully painted army in twenty years and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> oh, that um, nice. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, I've, I ended up answering my own question. <laughs> but it's funny how, like, I, I sort of think that my Renaissance um, is ongoing at the moment, like as it were, in sort of twenty eighteen onwards was kind of me really getting back into Warhammer as opposed to what I had for the previous 15 years as a teenager and a young kid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. So, like, when you when you fell out of Magic, was that because you got tired tired of Magic, or just because Warhammer became more appealing with, like, 8th edition and stuff? 
Um, it was more because I got more value out of my experiences with Warhammer. Um, so I felt that it was the thing that I, it was the thing that I felt I got the most, um, uh, I guess just like positive feedback about from myself, if that makes sense. I just felt like it was a bit of more value to my time. I, I had more pride and enjoyment in painting a unit and an army and playing a good game of Warhammer than constructing a deck that was valid for three months before it became another 120 quid to update it to just make it viable to compete and not actually yeah. get anywhere in a yeah. competitive circuit because I, I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, I do think it's interesting on that that the um and and, and I I will hold my hands up for anyone listening who's a Magic player and thinks this guy's a moron. You're <laughs> perfectly entitled to that opinion because it's probably true, uh, in more ways than what I'm about to say. But I I don't play Magic, but my understanding of like the relative, um, you know expense almost like we all know warhammer's an expensive hobby but because of the way they constantly change this the decks and stuff for magic as you say mm -hmm. my understanding is that if you do want to you know be on the kind of competitive side of it in particular it is even more pricey than 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 you yeah know, what you what you have to pay well, for warhammer put it this way i said i've been really experiencing a resurgence in truly engaging with this hobby since 2018 up until the recent release of the Octarius box set, I hadn't mm. bought anything for my, my my army since January 2019. Right, yeah, so that's cool. So my, like my primary army is Orcs, and I've been working through my backlog, and I've been Ooh. enjoying it. I spent money yeah. on the hobby, but it's been hobby supplies, or paints, yeah. um, new tool sets, um, everything in paint station, stuff like that. You know, um, so I've spent on the hobby, but I haven't spent a ton because I've not been buying yeah. my army. Yeah. Because I haven't needed to. So like, yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is something I try to explain to people. Like, I genuinely don't think Warhammer is a hobby is that expensive. If you compare the time mm -hmm. that you spend on it and the output that you get at the end. Like, if you think about it, you spend, what, 30 quid going to see a film? And that's like three hours of your life. Yeah? Yeah. Now, you can spend 30 quid buying a box of Space Marines. That's going to take you at least a week to paint, and you're going to have it for 20 years, or as long as you, you are in the hobby and playing that faction. Like, yeah, the time true. sunk is just just so on another level. Absolutely. Like, as I say, I've got years and years of value out of stuff that I've got, and it will continue to go on for years and hours and hours of, of you know, enjoyment out of it as a whole. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so... Alex, how long have you been playing? <laughs> mm. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of a weird journey for me because <laughs> uh, I've kind of dropped in and out of the hobby a couple of times. If you go back far enough, so I must have been about 10. And this is why this whole new Black Templar release for me is like kind of nostalgic because I, uh, I'm from Watford originally. And that I, I think this is like a universal experience for all guys who are about like... 28 or 25 to sort of 35 we all have some experience with games workshop because there's one in like every major town and so there was one in watford um and it was kind of like a touch around a corner so it was always always this like magic mysterious place that we'd always <laughs> walk past on like trips with my mum to the shopping center um and so eventually i plucked up the courage i went inside and i was just looking in the, in the glass cabinet they have there and i was like oh my god what is all of this this is amazing and they had this this big diorama, and it was a bunch of. Uh, do you remember the old Hormigant models, which were just a ripoff of Alien? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So the, it was this uh, big thing of uh, a big diorama of a dam, and it was these uh, these hormigans were just like using their claws to climb up the dam. And at the top it. were a yeah. whole bunch of yeah, and the whole, at the top were a whole bunch of imperial fists who were firing down at them, and I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I am in. Like I don't know what this is, but I'm in. Uh, and so yeah, my dad got me the original uh, third edition box set. Uh, it was Black Templars versus the Dark dark eldar mm-hmm. um and the one he got me actually had you know there's this uh special edition space marine captain that the new high marshal model is sort of built uh, designed around do you know what i'm talking about the guy with the sword up yeah uh yeah like he's got he's, he's holding the axe he's got the the combi uh, flame yeah or something the other you mean the, yeah, yeah, yeah like the templar can... marshal from like the armageddon yeah sort of campaign yeah this, yeah this, this one. exactly hang on I've got him yeah. here. He's got no. Yeah. He's got no head. <laughs> you mean this lad? Yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, the listeners know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean about like <laughs> technically, I've been playing a long time because I remember the release of the Armageddon expansion and getting it when it was new. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, my the box that I had had that model in it, and I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, and so I was in the hobby for then, and I was at school, and I. I tend to do this thing where I try and drag everyone around me into the hobby as well. So I actually, while we were talking, while you were going through the intro, I just remembered this. You guys ever seen that uh, that old film? Uh, what's it called? It's got the guy who was the Joker in Batman. Um, you mean Joaquin Phoenix? No, no, no pre- uh, the guy who died. Um, Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. It, what's the one where he's a knight? A knight's tale. Uh, a knight's tale. That's the one. So the... The kid that played him as a child actually went to my school, uh, and I got him into Dark Eldar. So, <laughs> yeah, that was just that was just a random tangent story. I had there you about, go. Like, <laughs> so it, it eventually became an Archon's tale. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like I, I remember that same box set, and for me, uh, the Dark Eldar were my first third edition army. Like that's what I started with because oh, yeah. I picked the Dark Eldar as the one that I liked from that box. And oh and, man, you those know, Dark Eldar models were just awful. <laughs> well, yeah, especially when <laughs> I I was a nine year old at the time, so I, oh, I was no. not taking great care of them. <laughs> they were oh, they were mostly yeah. plastic fins with no spikes or edges left on them by the by the end of the oh um, my word. <laughs> oh gosh, but yeah, yeah. so basically. Started in third edition like that. Uh, played I, like like Adam actually. I went every Sunday, every Sunday morning. Games Workshop had the, the beginners day or morning, so I would go to yep. that every Sunday when my mum was at work. Um, and then I went to boarding school and uh, dropped out of the hobby because at boarding school, any sign of nerdiness is considered a weakness, and they'll pounce on you for that. Um, so I didn't want to die, so <laughs> I stopped playing Warhammer for a little bit. Um, but then I actually went to a state school back home in Watford uh, for sixth form. And it was the funniest thing. Obviously, new school, you don't know anyone. Mm. Uh, and so you know, you're trying to fit into a group. Uh, and so my now good friend, Dom, we want to coach together coming back from something. And he sort of leant over the seats and uh, he told a Warhammer joke. And I, w- I was right there. And so I knew what he was talking about. So I laughed along with the group. And he looked at me he's like, Alex, you don't know what we're laughing about. I was like, actually i do and he looked at me and he was like what i was like yes i know 
And he was like, by Uthanesh, he's one of us! Instant group of friends. And they've yeah, been it's... close friends of mine for like 11 years now. Or something crazy. Nice. And that is one of the best things about this hobby, is that as, as soon as you bump into someone who just gives away a small indicator that they know about the universe and the game and what it is, you know you can immediately oh, yeah. spark up a conversation and an instant friendship with them. And they might not oh, expect 100%. it at all. I mean, sometimes it'll be little things, like um, I've seen people like you know, with your keychain or something that's just like a chapter mm-hmm. badge, you know, but obviously no one else is going to know what that is. Uh, there was a guy who started at um, one of my old places of work once. His first day he came into the office and he was wearing um, a Zelda Triforce buckle on his belt. And then as he walked past, he realized the hoodie he was wearing had the Blood Angels insignia across the back of the hoodie. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, nice. I like this new guy. <laughs> I, met, I met a guy, uh, I, my mother have got me a blacksmithing course for like Christmas sort of pre no it must have been my birthday pre-pandemic because it was i had time to do some of it before everything sort of closed down and um i remember i met a guy there who was uh, he was like you know hammering away at whatever he was doing and on his arm i was like is that a black legion tattoo and he was like yes yes it is ah and then the conversation started <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> see this is such a funny thing i love how like just sort of unwittingly as a group as a collective we've accidentally created like the warrior lodges but in real life yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've all got these little symbols that only we recognize or we've got these cabals like i'm gonna have to burn some planets is this where this is going (laughs) (laughs) like like, i just i don't think i can be bothered to be honest that would have been a good horus heresy oh yeah what happened i gave up couldn't be bothered But it, honestly, it's like a whole thing. Like, I remember talking to Liam about this. Uh, so Liam, this is the first name drop of the evening. Um, Liam Dempsey from, from, uh, from DCTV. Yeah, uh, listeners, be prepared for a lot of name drops, especially from me. But uh, yeah, so Liam was in the army for 10 years. Um, and he was pretty out and proud about being you know, a hobbyist into 40K. Like he'd have his models out and he'd paint with his door open. Uh, and eventually he sort of formed this group on the base and they'd have like a secret little hangout area where they would play games <laughs> with each other and it was just like no one else in the group talked with anyone about what they were doing and they'd just go all hang out in this secret space and we've got like a little uh, an actual secret clubhouse so it's funny how again you'll notice certain things you'll be able to pick people out of a conversation or a crowd or whatever and this is one of the most obscure ones but it makes complete sense um, so years past, I actually used to work um, for IKEA, and, okay. I, nice. and I used to work in the office department, which basically is where all the desks <laughs> exist. Oh, oh I right, I see. Where so going. you see where this is going, can't you? And basically, oh, yeah. any time I'd have a customer come in and start asking about desks and what they are and requirements, I'd notice one of two things: if they were going to inevitably planning to use this for wargaming purposes. <laughs> One, they're either trying to build a paint station, or two, they'd be suspiciously asking about, could I make something of a six by four proportions with this? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so as soon as that like... question comes up, I'm like, yes, I know what, exactly what you need, because I've got it in my living room. I use two of these. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it's either like the painting station, the Warhammer desk, or the glass cabinet for all the miniatures that like, yeah. all of us have. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's funny how 
obviously that is quite a, a long sort of guest intro compared to what we normally do when we have people on. But <laughs> it's re- there's a reason We're for it. We're interesting people. Yeah, I mean, that too, but also it's topical for tonight. So <laughs> th- this whole sort of uh, discussion for tonight, as I say, has been inspired by one of the previous episodes you had on Conclave and you were talking about the concept of the hobby journey and it was just a bit of a sort of like a, a 10 15 minute conversation you had as part of everything else that you were talking about yeah and that sort of intro really is a bit of a, basically our hobby journeys and kind of where we've come from and how we've got to where we are now um and our main topic a little bit later in the show is we're going to be discussing this concept of what the hobby journey is and how it sort of typically plays out we imagine for people today um and whether or not there should be maybe some course corrections or additions to that or whatever and just being a bit more conscious of it for both ourselves and the other people we meet like you were talking about alex about you know creating these community lodges almost and um, <laughs> as as we'll go on to talk about in more detail later the idea that there are communities within the community and perhaps it's starting to be able to acknowledge them or recognize them for yourself is something that is a bit of a skill to develop really in itself um yeah and yeah like that's a little bit of a sort of a preamble as to where we three are from in our hobby journeys originally and um I think if we sort of move on now to our pain station garrison, that's going to be a good way of us talking about where we are now in our hobby journeys. You know, like what we're up to these days and, you know, exactly where, what we're working on. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, okay. if you give us two seconds, guys, we'll be back in just a minute with our pain station garrison. Paint station garrison. And we're back, guys. In the interest of working out where we are right now with the hobby, what we're working on, what we're doing, now's a good time to basically take a review of that. And it's not always that we do a paint station garrison with guests, as uh, I'm sure it will probably be several episodes, weeks or months, possibly years, before we have either of them on again. And in that time, I'm sure Alex will probably still have the same model on his. <laughs> oh my word! I'm, I'm here. I'm here for the shade. <laughs> I feel. I feel attacked. I feel attacked oh. right now. Victimized. Tenny, Tenny, you're an honorary member of the Conclave, mate. So you, you've just done it. You've, you've, you've got our whole concept in one. <laughs> oh, just rip it out of me constantly. Yes. Hey, you were the one that started the name drops. Yeah, and where's Lysander, Alex? Where is Lysander? It's the question. Lysander is right asking. here. He's in my hand, still in the package. That's where oh. he is. It's almost well, Christmas, Christmas 2021. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was going to say. I was in Tesco the other day, and there were there were mince pies and Christmas nonsense everywhere. And it's not even Halloween quite yet although when this goes out it probably will have been halloween um but uh so so yeah you you better get painted on that sunny boy otherwise ed sandman's gonna be well annoyed <laughs> oh it's coming it's coming i i, I promised uh, okay we should probably explain this to people with no idea what we're talking about um so for for the listeners of this podcast uh basically our other host on the conclave podcast uh ed the sandman um gifted me uh, Lysander, the Imperial Fist first captain, um, as, a, as a present last Christmas. 
and I still have not painted him. Um, and I am getting to him, but it's become this point of contention and this meme, essentially, in the Conclave. Um, and I'm getting to him, I promise. I just want to do him well, justice. So I want to, like, finish the backlog and get to him and have some time. To be fair, you can just claim you're doing justice to his law as he did disappear for 200 years in the warp. You're just representing <laughs> that time in which he's getting painted. In which he was disassembled, put on a sprue, and uh, cast <laughs> into the warp. Hey, I mean, when he comes out, he probably is going to go for an intense scrutiny of interrogation, as he did, but this time it's going to be by, by your fellow Conclave members. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Once he's finished, I'm going to have to, like, do a lot of content with him in it. It's like, every bat rep I can get get on, I'm guessing, like, and here's Lysander! <laughs> Just hold it up to the camera, like, look, he's done. Tell you what, then, as I expected, uh, your your section so far and this is most of returns about what you've not been doing so why don't you tell us a little bit what you have been doing Alex I love how I just hijacked Adam's section just like you're I've, supposed I've, to got, I've got plenty to talk about that I've actually done so what have you done <laughs> stop trying to divert attention what have you done uh, so at the moment I'm working on a Primaris Ancient um, and I have already screwed it up which I'm really annoyed about what I'm trying to do with my Imperial Fists is I'm trying to go full like markings i'm trying to get them like with the markings like as accurate as i can um so you know full squad markings proper chapter markings um, you know all the correct markings the shoulders and the knees and you know, all this kind of stuff um and so I'm, I'm painting i'm painting this ancient and i get to it and all i've got left is the flag i've done all the transfers i've done all the glazing i've done everything and i took a look at it and i was just like why does this look wrong what's wrong with this i don't understand and then I suddenly realized his helm is yellow and he's a veteran, so it should be white. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no, why? So, uh, yeah, right. to go you, back. Can, you, you, you can clean up yellow into, like, into white with a bit of careful repainting. <laughs> yeah, but just of the head. You don't need to repaint the whole yeah, thing. It's, it's just frustrating because like, normally when I paint heads, I paint them off the body. Um, so yes, it's just going to be a bit of a, a pain in the uh, behind. Proverbial. It's just yeah, it's just like it's just annoying more than anything else because I have to go back and redo it, and I'm slow enough as it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the annoying thing so far. I've got that and his banner. The rest of him is basically done. Um, nice. So that's that's pretty good. Um, and it will be nice to have like another like centerpiece model for the army. Um, so yeah, that's looking good. And then also, um, and Adam has this as well. We know a guy on Instagram called Bolt Rifles. Uh, totally, like, great dude. He's in the army. Uh, if, you, if you're out there, um, you should go follow him on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And he contacted uh, all the guys in the Conclave today. And he was just like, dude, guys, I've got this great idea for this, uh, this like, community army that we can put together. Um, and basically, the idea behind it is we all paint an intercessor or a character or something in the colors of our own space marine chapter because you know basically everyone has a space marine chapter um and we leave off the uh i think it's the left shoulder pad and then he will attach a death watch shoulder pad so it'll be this community army of individual models that people have sent in in their own colors um and so obviously being a special snowflake i texted him and i was just like yo can i can i do like a character and he was just like do whatever <laughs> you want so I'm tempted to do a librarian. 
um, because that'd be super cool. And I want to do some like airbrush highlights. I want to go like all out with this. This is sort of like a test of, you know, what I can do. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to trawl through the GW website to find like a really cool model and do something, something interesting with it. Um, so yeah, there's that. That'll be interesting. Uh, then it'll look almost a little bit like the um, the unnumbered sons almost because the army itself will yeah. all be they'll be ninety percent different colors because the only matching part mm-hmm. will be the Death Watch arm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly. really all together. Yeah. yeah, all together. I think it's going to look spectacular. Yeah, it'll but, look very cool. Uh, yeah. So there, there's that. So I was thinking about doing a librarian. Um, so as for what else have I got that's on the on the hobby table? So work in progress, I guess, technically speaking, work in progress, I've got uh, all the prep I'm doing for No Retreat. Uh, so um, this is where I'm going to properly name drop. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Oh, feel free. Uh, so I'm more I, I, to have name drops on my show. <laughs> like, it, it feels like excellent. starting to get some level of legitimacy to my own podcast now that, you know, we can get hosts <laughs> on and guests and names can be dropped and starting to make my way into that, you know, content creator community (laughs) well yeah so i mean here we go so uh yeah i I have no idea how this happened but uh, for those of you out there who don't know what the no retreats legend tournament is it's a charity competition put on by sn battle reports in gibraltar and they invited a whole bunch of uh, content creators out there and then the, the guest list is outrageous so adrian and um in fact, Adrian Bridger and uh, what's his face, Brian from Tabletop Titans are going to be there. What's his face? What's his how face? dare you? Oh, how agree. dare you address the best of the West in a sweater vest, Brian Pullen, <laughs> the man, the legend, as what's his face? Oh my I really God, hope he plays. I hope he him. plays you now. <laughs> oh God, I've seen his list. He's going to ruin me. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so the Tabletop Titans guys are going to be there. Lawrence from Tabletop Tactics, Chapter Master Valrak, Winters SEO, Liam from DCTV. Um, obviously, the SM Battle Report guys are going to be there. Um, VT. Vanguard Tactics, yeah. Yep. Jake Make and Stephen Jake's Box game. are going to be there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just among others, there's so many. And, oh, uh, Hellstorm Wargaming, of course. And then among all these, these like, titans of the hobby and the create like YouTube creator scene, I'm also going for some reason. Hello. Say hello, <laughs> friends. So yeah, it's just it's literally like a like a dream come true. Like uh, it's just because you you look at these competitions from the outside, and you're like, no retreat. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. I'd love to go to that one day. This is that day. Well, actually, next Thursday is that day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, really it's, it's genuinely crazy. Oh, it's oh, it's gonna be so good. And I. I've been planning for, for that trip, so I had to measure out my uh, my bag to see if I could put it in in hand luggage. Because there's absolutely no way I'm putting a Warhammer army like in the undercarriage of a plane. Oh, no, like, just, just, there's that. just no way. Like, oh, we, were, we were talking about this because there's a there's a no retreat WhatsApp group, and someone was just like, "Yeah, can you imagine? You're in the plane and you see someone like yeeting your army." But for the baggage handlers, handlers like into the player, you'd be like, oh no, oh I think, no. I think, should, I think you should test it, mate. If your faith in the Emperor is strong, the Custodes will be fine. <laughs> I have no faith in the Emperor at this point. <laughs> Not Emperor, about Emperor, that. Emperor Airlines is maybe a bit, bit more ropey. Just see how well um, the drop pods actually stand up to high velocity. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, 
Dude, okay, I'm talking about high velocity impact. So one of the guys that's going is Oliver from Broadsword Wargaming. Uh, they're based in Ireland. Great dude. Uh, again, highly recommend you guys follow him. He posted a picture in the group and then he posted it to Instagram. He's taking knights, but for some reason he's painting the knights right now. Um, <laughs> and he dropped them all down some stairs. And like, I just, I, he, he posted the picture and it's just like, shattered knights at the bottom of these stairs because he like dropped the tray he was carrying them on and, shattered and it was just like genuinely it was soul destroying to look at you're like oh no the competition's just, next week you just feel like it's one of those memes where it all just goes slow motion and black and white and there's just that piano playing you know you know they ask you if you're okay and you have to say that you're okay but you're not <laughs> he's, you're he's, not okay yeah he, he's gonna have to just crack out like the emergency glue and weathering uh, techniques on every bit of damaged paint scheme I just claim they are yep. a very active household. Oh my word! It's going. It, yeah, I'm gonna have to give yeah. him a hug when I see him. It'll be like everything's yeah. okay. Good, I promise. Good luck. Good luck to Broadsword Wargaming. That's all I'll say. Good luck to him because you know what? If he pulls that off, amazing, absolutely amazing work. And yeah, I'm sure he will. Actually, so yeah, so, that's that's my yeah. my hobby in progress. Then I've got a couple of things that are complete that we can go into as well. Um, should, should I do that? I mean, if it's plural, it seems like a, a rare opportunity to pass up. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, he's not <laughs> wrong. I, wa I want to argue, but kind of, I feel burned and attacked, but he's not wrong. Um, so, yeah, for, for things I've completed, I've, I've completed two models recently, which is big, a big deal for me. Uh, so I'm still... Oh, this is going to make... This is really going to put this into context for some people. Um... So I'm still finishing off the Indominus box. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so I finished the Indominus Captain and the Indominus Lieutenant the other day. Um, really happy with the way they came out. Um, and I tried, for the first time ever, um, glazing. Uh, I, I followed Louise Sugden's uh, Warhammer Plus glazing tutorial to do uh, the Power Swords. Tutorial. Oh, my, oh my god, it's amazing. It's genuinely life, like, well, as life-changing as the hobby gets. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and redo all my power swords. It's that good. Um, yeah, I'm doing this as well. Name Rock. I, I met her the other week as well. She is lovely. Very small, but very lovely. Um, <laughs> she's, not, she's not like a hobbit. <laughs> no, she's not like a... Well, well actually, see, do you remember that... Um, uh, what's that video they did? Isn't Louise next to Nick Baton basically very similar to Katie next to Lawrence? Isn't it that sort of situation? I mean, I was, I was going to say yeah, Pippin next yeah. to Gandalf, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, um, there's I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you know they because they did the mid-season break of Angels of Death, uh, and it's the three of them sort of doing a podcasty thing, like around yeah. that table. Yeah, so she's on a booster seat. You just can't see it because it's cut out of frame. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So, yeah, she's oh. she's small, but a super lovely person. Like, it, that was, it was such an honor to be a Genuinely amazing painter, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. It's, it's wizardry. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to describe it. It's just wizardry. 
genuinely like she did this one model which was you know when you like reverse the colors on a picture it was the horror yeah the horror scene yeah like i her models like all of that stuff is displayed in uh, the shop in warhammer world so if yeah. you guys ever are there you can go see it it's all amazing and like we met her next to it and like we were like oh my god this is all your stuff and she was like oh don't worry don't worry about all that it's all rubbish and we were just like is it though i mean is it <laughs> Just walk, you walk just, in there uh, and you go, did you, did you paint this? Yeah, it's all right. So I, I have a funny story similar to that from about 15 years ago or whatever, back before Warhammer World had its remodel and where the store section currently is, is where the shop used to be. Mm-hmm. And like the actual like paint station bits and stuff under the open arches. There was... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was a, a moment where... There was someone painting their stuff and working on it, sort of like in. I think, I can't remember what it was they were working on, but I think it might have been at the actual Inquisitor game, the whatever it was, like 50 mil scale Inquisitor game that they did. Oh, ago. yeah, the Iron Key, Iron Key one, yeah. Yeah, um, and he would, um, this guy was painting at the paint station and he was working on it. Um, uh, this style was basically, he was going for like Blancet Chew style stuff. Mm. Oh yeah, um, and he and he was talking really proudly about what he was working on. It's like, oh yeah, it's really great. Da, 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 da. You know, I've been loving this. I've been really inspired by it, and I'm really looking forward to how it's going to come out. And I'm go- I'm trying to go. I don't know if it, he was talking to this other guy sat at the paint station with him, um, and he was mm-hmm. saying like, I don't know if it, if you've heard of this or not, but like, I'm trying to go for basically like a bland situ style um, paint scheme on these oh, guys. I see where this is going. You know exactly where this is going. <laughs> Like, I know exactly where yeah. this is going. And this is true. The guy sat at the paint station next to him and he didn't know it was John Blanche. That is that. Oh is- my <laughs> God. Can you imagine saying to John Blanche, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. His name's John Blanche. And him just sitting there like, yeah, he's come up in conversation before. Yeah. See, if, I mean, I was, like, this- if I was him, I'd just be like, I've never heard of him. Yeah, this is like sort of <laughs> so 2000. Idiot. Yeah, it's like 2005 sort of thing. Social media is not as prevalent as it is now, and being aware of this the style of Blancitu without necessarily knowing the face of the man behind it was more feasible to be a thing, you know. Yeah. But it was just hilarious that, and and the funny thing is, John Blanche didn't let on in the in the situation. He was just like, yeah, no, that's great. Looks really good, and so on. I mean, you wouldn't, would you, just for hilarity's sake? Yeah, yeah. He was really modest about it. What's he like, this guy? Oh yeah. And then it's like there's two other things that I've done, which I'm gonna say count as hobby progress, uh, but they're actually more like content creation things. So the other one was I've been working on this fabled Black Templars painting tutorial. Uh, We've been talking about this on the Conclave for like ages now, Um, and it's done. It's out. It's on my YouTube channel. It's out in the world. It's doing really well. Uh, I'm super happy with it. Um, and one of the, I think, the MVP of that whole uh, that whole thing is our friend Charles, who's in the very last bit. I think his bit is hilarious. Um, and then the the very last thing I've done was um, being a Magic player. You might know this this next name drop. Um, uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Pleasant Kenobi. He does mainly Magic the Gathering content on YouTube. Yeah, he's a legend. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went around to, went around to his, and we filmed his second ever battle report. Uh, I took, oh my god, I took so much 
gear with me. I'm, and by gear, I mean camera gear, not like cocaine. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that kind of trip. <laughs> but um, yeah, I took all my like, I've got a bunch of like motion tracking gear and stuff. Uh, and so we do all this like cool B-roll and it looks like super cinematic. And it, it just came out yesterday and it is so good. Uh, and I'm I'm super happy with it. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, go watch uh, go watch that too. <laughs> and um, Adam, what have you? All of the plugs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Adam, what have you been uh, working on? Yeah, so I've I, I've been very busy lately um, with with sort of work and stuff. So getting stuff done has actually been quite difficult. Um, but I mean, in terms of like work in progress, so at the moment actually with me right now, I have this which i'm holding up to camera which no one will be able to see because it's an audio format but it's an exocrine <laughs> it's for my um or it's or an exocrine however you want to pronounce it it's my my tyranids because i love the tyranids i think they're really cool they're a really cool army um and i'm trying to get a sort of army painted up of them slowly um but the big beasties are the next on my list so i've got the Exocrine, I've got a Swarm Lord I'm working on, I've got some Zoanthropes I'm working on as well, and then after that it'll probably be some Tyranid Warriors just to bulk out the troops of the army, I guess. Oh, go on, so Alex. I was going to say, you know, you gonna say yeah. what's, the, um, what's the overall theme of this army? Because I feel like with Tyranids you can go one of two ways. Well, one of three ways, really. You can either go full horde, everything is a gaunt, carpet mm. of, of Nids, or you can yep. go fairly elite, like Warriors, Exocrines, High Tyrants, or I feel like the third way is you can go like sneaky sneaky. So like gene stealers and lictors and like things with wings, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know, it's just so like my, another archetype my, I'm missing. Well, I say mine is mine is very much like Starship Troopers. So I've got my big bugs backing it up, right? I like the big beasties. I always, have I said on the Conclave before, I want Carnifexes to be good in the game because I think Carnifexes are really cool. We keep talking about distraction Carnifexes for like a whole... They're, they're they're like a whole feature of the game they're like an entire massive part of it so they're like a big deal and nobody takes them because rules wise they're not very good right and you know even when you're playing a narrative game you do want some units that are actually going to give you something to mess about with on the tabletop um so yeah so i've got some card effects i need to build but at the moment it's mostly it it is just building a tyranid force from the ground up so i've got gene stealers i've got termagants i've got hormagaunts as well i've got um yeah say so the exocrine the zoanthropes broodlord um the swarm lord i've got a hive tyrant i need to put together as well so it's very much kind of based around that and i have got a little unit of hive guard as well um because i think you you sort of need to take those at the moment um and they're also i do think they are cool they're a cool cool unit like the idea behind them you, the fluff is that they're <laughs> sorry you meta chaser with your hive to guard. The, to the, yeah, to the extent there is there is such a thing as a tyranid meta, I think I, I think I that's, that's what I've ended up with. He, he, he's yeah. not so much chasing it as he caught it two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it been around for since. a while. Um but no, the, the I, I also think like the, the fluff behind Hive Guard I mean, I don't if people know, but the fluff behind Hive Guard's very cool, which is that they're they're basically made of space marines. That, that's the that's mm. their genetic that that's what the Imperium thinks anyway. So so certain uh, certain units in the Tyranid army are made up of mostly based on the kind of genetic soup that they when they turn everything into biomass of certain species. So the Zoanthropes and the Neurothropes are based on the Eldar because they're like super psychic, right? Whereas the 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 Hive Tyrants and I think also the Tyrant Guard, uh, sorry not Hive Tyrant, mm. the Hive Guard and the Tyrant Guard mm. are based on Space Marines. 
that's what the that's what oh. the Imperium, that's yeah. what the well, the, the Magos Biologists of the Adeptus Mechanicus believe that. I, I think the idea I about the no, funnily enough, I think orcs are meant to be the biovores and pyrovores. <laughs> is yeah. supposedly where oh. the energetic material for those from. Um, I, I don't know if it's because of something to do with a symbiotic relationship with spore mines and they're meant to be the equivalent with orcs in terms of like squigs and such. Mm. You know, they're, right, they're, that very, makes sense. they're very biodiverse creature anyway, orcs. So, yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've actually, funny enough, I've actually got some biovores as well. Like, I've got a lot of stuff that's just not been built. I actually got again for christmas i got bought um the um oh what's he called the barb no the scythe higher no not no not orcs <laughs> the um for, for tyranids the um the scythe tierra duel from forge world the one that's like the big oh, kind the of big beastie. one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so she's sat up there in, in in a bag and i'm gonna glue her together i'm gonna try and do it over the <laughs> next weekend next week and start did your mum get you that my mum did get me that. My mum did get me that one. She got me. She was like, she was like, "What is it you want for Christmas?" And I sort of said, "Oh, I don't know, maybe something from this range." And I'm fairly sure she consulted with my other half as to sort of what was the way forward on that one. But I do quite like the idea of my mum going into a games workshop and being like, "Hello, can I have a side here, a duel, please?" Um, and just not knowing what the hell she's buying. Um, Didn't she just give you like a plastic bag of resin? And be like, "Here, son, I think this is a thing." Pretty much, yeah. It, it was. It was. It is kind of adorable because she did. She bought me that. And she did buy me some other bits and bobs which i've built and used and she she said uh she kept messaging me and being like oh have you have you built such and such yet and painted it and i was like yeah, yeah i have i've used it in a game did it do well is it good and i was like yeah it's you know it's good it's fun to have in the army it was adorable my mom was i was like i was like next step i go around to my house and she's got like a full 2000 point like space wall like, right <laughs> let's go uh no wait, wait oh my happen. god I, my, my my mother is, is not going to play Warhammer, I don't think. Um, but yeah, so so working on the working on the Tyranids. I've also, um, in terms of work in progress, I've also actually got some custodies um, that I'm built, putting together, finishing off because I've got a custodies army and I'm just adding some bits to it because I want to actually go and me and Alex can have a competition over the custodies. Um, or maybe we can work together because he has the Shadow Keepers and I have the Solar Watch. So he has the ones that have the black armor and I have the guys that have the predominantly white or cream armor. Um, so it'd be quite fun to have them, I think, on the tabletop next to each other, sort of in a quite a sort of complimentary way. So I'm just adding some bits to that army. The other reason I'm doing that is because my friend uh, Blake who is in shout out if he's listening who is in canada uh, i was over there because my my other half is canadian so we were actually, i was over there um what about two three weeks ago now and uh he was like he started reading eisenhorn on kind of um mine and my other half's recommendation and he loves it he was like i love eisenhorn i think it's really cool i really want to get into 40k what do, how do i do it what do i do so we basically ended up going to a local game store in canada and having a wander around and he decided he really likes orcs and he got himself the orc box uh the start collecting and uh he's now building an orc army um so i said yeah, to him i'd give man. him a game <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's cool because and this is and actually it was quite funny and and maybe this is just to the point that we're going to discuss on the show as well um about a new player is he was like well what do i pick and i was like have a look around to you know i'll give you i'll give you the backstory on on each of them as we sort of look at them if you want and i can tell you you know if you are interested in like is this thing good in inverted you know commas like is is it is it a good unit does it do well in like a game i can give you an answer on that but like ultimately go with what you enjoy go with what you think looks cool and i think what swung it for him 
Exactly, yeah. And I think what swung it for him uh, with, with the Orcs, and we were talking, there's a guy, big shout out to uh, Chris, uh, who was the owner of the store um, when we were down there in, in Hamilton uh, in Canada. And I will just, I will cut, <laughs> Chris is going to kill me because I can't remember the name of the store, um, but I will tell you momentarily. Um, but anyway, what, what swung it for him was the, um, was really, was the, uh, the, the fact that we were like, well, you know, it's fun. Orcs are fun. You never have a bad time with Orcs. If you win, you have fun. If you lose, you have fun. And you should always have fun in 40k anyway. But with Orcs in particular, I think they're such a hilarious army with such ridiculous abilities that you just have fun with them anyway. And Orcs love a good scrap. So if they're having a fight, they've won. So, you know, happy days. So anyway, he, he wants to play me at Christmas. He wants to have a game uh, when I go over there for Christmas. And I said, well, look, I will, but I don't want to bring that many models on the plane. So much like Alex, we're trying to get stuff into hand luggage. Um, the best one I can go for, for five, it'll be a combat patrol. It'll be 500 points. It's going to be custodies because it'll be like three guys, right? <laughs> so that that's yeah, my logic yeah. on that one. Um, and also I think, I think you know, it's not, custodies obviously are good. They're very resilient, but I think three guys, three or four guys versus a lot of orcs is going to be a pretty fair matchup actually, um, especially with the yeah. new orc rules being really quite good um and yeah so that's that's my in progress obviously the bolt rifles model uh, alongside that but i won't talk about that because alex has already touched on it um and sorry i should just say well, the no. store i was talking about in hamilton in canada is lords of war store so if you are in if you have any canadian listeners who live in the gta who are around hamilton check out lords of war it's an awesome little friendly local game store i hope tony doesn't mind me giving them a quick shout out oh, absolutely i mean um, like shout outs throughout the show are encouraged like i, I think i don't think we'll oh, brilliant, bother with brilliant. a dedicated community spotlight at the end tonight because we've already had plenty of lovely shout oh yeah well shout out lots I of people abuse this as <laughs> yeah, we <probably>. go. <laughs> um yeah so, actually adam and, i wanted to ask like what oh, do you uh, for your bolt rifles for your bolt rifles model are you gonna pick like an intercessor or like a character oh. or what I don't it's know because because Rich Richie our friend Richie's doing it as well. He's Reza. He's doing um he's doing a blade guard, and I quite like the idea I of doing a blade guard. Um, oh, I don't know. I must admit, I'm really really torn on what. Because do you know what? Look, listen. Tell you what, um, Tony. Do you, you 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 have like a comments function on this, or when you put it on Instagram, do you have people can like DM put in the comments or whatever? Well, yeah, yeah. Like I say, I always put I always put a post up on Instagram for every episode going up. Um, Perfect. A Facebook community group nice. and stuff like that. So, so, so people listening comment on when this goes up on instagram comment on instagram and just say what of the it has to be primaris right alex that was the the character uh, yeah, just any so. space marine? yeah yeah what what of the primaris range what should i i pay of a space marine obviously not like a vehicle or anything what should i go for as a as a as a, a, a part of this project in my color scheme which is basically purple and red so i'm just gonna, I'm gonna interject for a second and there's gonna be some who's just like Oh, you know what you should paint? An Astraeus. Well, there's no <laughs> there vehicles. It has to be just an in- a single individual model that's going to have it. You can't put a Death Watch shoulder pad. I mean, you can put a Death Watch shoulder pad on an Astraeus, but it's right, going to so- look a bit weird. It's like a hood ornament. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the uh, the tech marine at the top, he's just missing a shoulder pad. My my, other, I would just say my other half who can hear me, who can hear me through the door, has just messaged me and just said none because she thinks it involves buying stuff, which it doesn't. I already have the parts. I just need to put it together. So I don't know. Maybe that'll keep her happy. Um, but anyway, the the so that that's that's a comment. Let me know. Um, on the complete side of things, so I have been, and again, I will not mention them too much because this is more of a narrative podcast. But I have been attending a number of competitive events. Uh, the LGT. Uh, the summer slaughter london, london war game or summer slaughter and most recently the goon hammer open um which was 
they were all brilliant. Geenhammer Open was absolutely fantastic. Um, and for that, I've been running, because I said for this year, from sort of events I go to, I was going to take my sisters a battle. Because I love the sister battle. I think they're really cool. Um, so I was spent a lot of time painting up bits and bobs as I was trying to refine my list, work out what I was going to take. So I've been painting quite a few sisters. Um, Retributors, the guys with the melters, they're very good. Um, the nice. Repentia with the big girls, with angry girls with big chainswords, just so cool. Um, as well as being very good in the game, they're just such cool little models. Um, and the detail on the sisters is both a bit of a nightmare to paint, but also they're just beautiful. They're just such cool sculpts. Um, and again, the, the Zephyrim as well are some of my favourite models. The, the the ones with the backpack and the power swords, the the flight backpack. Um, the reason the Zephyrim are um, are amazing as well, I'll give a bit of lore to that as Quips is playing with the like settings on this thing we're right. recording on. So there's a you... there's a button that says raise your hand, so I clicked it to see what would happen, and it, there's a little thing that says Quipster has something to say. So I just, yeah. sorry, I'm playing around with that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get the staff these days, honestly. Um, so yeah, so the Zephyrim, people who don't know that the law behind them is absolutely very grimdark, very 40k. The Zephyrim are basically considered to be some of the most elite sisters and the most devout and faithful. So that the Seraphim, who are the ones with the jump packs and the sort of pistols, they obviously have to be pretty elite. They have to be pretty skilled to be able to fly around on a jump pack, firing their pistols midair what happens is sometimes they start having visions of the emperor and like talking in tongues and if that happens for some reason the sororitas goes cool take away your pistols have a power sword go and go over there and kill that thing and that's what zephyrim are they don't speak any english or gothic they just chat away in, in tongues about the emperor um, and if they're bloody rose one of the things that bloody rose are known for every now and again is that their eyes just start bleeding they start having bloody tears because they're so devout in the emperor so they're like really they're really really 40k grimdark you know metal so <laughs> just crazy they're basically jump they're like jump pack troops but mental oh yeah yeah they're, they're jump pack emperor's champions <laughs> yeah basically yeah basically literally. and i've always i've always loved it wow. so one of the one of the models has a you can give her a banner and the banner gives you like a re-rollable charge and the banner just looks really cool and it, i love the idea i've always i've always loved the idea of you know the, the the particularly when you know if you send them after like a flyer or something in a game this idea of somebody you know flying along eldar you know he's flying along and he's flyer having a good time thinks he's all right thinks he's above the battle and then here's some bangs on the outside and there's just a load of load of zephyrim literally landed on it just stabbed the flyer through the uh with the the spear with the uh the banner on it oh so cool anyway have you ever played the Space Marine Xbox game about ten years ago? I yeah. know of it. I never got to play it. There's a scene, I played a bit of it. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene in the campaign where you're uh, uh, as an ultramarine, you are escaping whatever battlefield it was at the time via a Valkyrie because you're escorting some guardsmen, and you get attacked by storm boys, and they're literally landing on the Valkyrie. Like as it's flying so and trying cool. to rip it apart. That's awesome. It's that sort of feel, yeah. like you know, these uh, uh, jump assault guys taking on aircraft. Yeah, it's so it's just such a cool image, uh, right? You know. Yeah, there's that bit in um, it's I think it's a Damocles Crusade book as well, where it's a young Cato Sicarius. Uh, I think he's a sergeant <laughs> at the time, and there's this whole big thing where he's like a sergeant and he just goes totally rogue and starts taking out tau flyers with a jetpack and a power sword because he can and it's just like him jump like 
you'll have like a, a formation of Tau fighters, and he'll just land on one, kill the pilot, and just jump to the next one and kill that one too. It's just like, oh, I love that. Arius, I'm here to kill you. I've, I um, think um, one, of, <laughs> one of my favorite little moments in the Horace Heresy books, and obviously it's no spoiler moment or anything, but it's um, it's Savitar from the Night Lords. Um, there's a moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. That is really cool. Yeah, where like yeah. he has to try and get off his ship to a, an enemy one to board it, and all he does is he just he just jumps on the hull of the like Imperial mm-hmm. Navy fighter that's working for him, and he just like crunches up the hull with his fist and like, maglocks his gauntlet and just like bangs on the hull, going "Go, <laughs> just take off." <laughs> I'll, I'll ra- uh, and the pilot's like, "Seriously?" <laughs> He's like, "Yes." Yeah, and he just it's like, like all right then. Yeah, he just like flatters out. Right. So, um, like, that actually, I was gonna say that leads into my hobby progress a little bit because, like, my next year project is Night Lords, and so I probably am gonna end up with a Sevatar at some point. Um, yeah, and Se- I just love the fact... before Lysander at this rate. Oh my god, that would be so funny! <laughs> but so don't tell me <laughs> with that. But um, yeah, just like the Night Lords lore. I love every single one of them. They're all just such jolly, terrible fellows. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's really. Good. I mean, the Night Lords are awesome, and see you have a Night Lord army. I think would be awesome. Be nice to see you go non-Imperium. That would be good. Just hint, hint. Um, although I mean, yeah. still another shade of power armor in it. Really, at the end of the day. Um, but so, in just terms of, of other stuff I've completed, the other thing I'm, I'm taking part in. Uh, big shout out to our friend uh, Josh the War Hipster. Check him out at War Hipster on Instagram, on YouTube, the lot. So, one of the things uh, Josh, uh, Rich, and I are doing sort of together, along with a big group of the community, is um, a series called A Tale of Many War Hipsters. Uh, and the <laughs> idea behind that is basically every month, uh, people pet sub- pet submit what they've painted so they you know choose some units paint them up and they build up an army over the course of we're doing it now we're going to do it for 12 months it's going to be a full year and then at the end hopefully we'll have some kind of big meet up and everybody gets to kind of see each other in person have some games and we'll have a kind of narrative going around that which i think will be really cool um and my contribution to that recently has been um some Drakari firstborn that i said i would get painted ages ago and just never managed to finish and i've finally done those um and i've also been doing a little bit of um a little bit additions here and there to my ad mech as well so i did the marshal um the sort of guy with the blue well, he's got a blue coat in my army which is quite cool um and then yeah apart from that i think the only other thing and i'm gonna do content creation because you've done it alex um but um i made some video i've been making some videos on uh, so I, I have a youtube channel called five minute 40k where i try and keep the videos around five minutes they normally run a little bit longer um but uh where i just cover like units bit of law bit of rules how they function how you can maybe use them as well um so yeah if you're interested in that do check out five minute 40k do a bit of a self plug there um but i've done a couple of videos on uh, the new templars supplement looking at the emperor's champion and high marshal helbrecht because i just think they're both awesome they have cool rules they have some really cool law behind them uh, if people don't know helbrecht is like the angriest man on the planet apart from maybe like angron mm-hmm. Um, he's got a big grudge against Imatech the Stormlord, which I think is really hilarious because Imatech cut his hand off. They got in single combat and Imatech was like, I'm just going to cut your hand off now and then disappear. So in revenge, Helbrick blew his like flagship up, his like, ancient Necron Whoa. sort of like tomb barge. Is, is that not I just that. his birthright? 
you know, to lose a fist, uh, <laughs> as is wanted. Hey. Oh, no. Hey. That is true. But, that uh, is true. I was going to say on a slight tangent, I've listened, I've, I've watched your, your Hellbirds and your Empress Champion video, and they are really, really good. Uh, oh, thank for you. For anyone watching, uh, it's true. Uh, honestly, for anyone watching Adam's uh, channel as well, I highly recommend. You did a Death Guard Origins overview as well. Yeah, that so I've done. Really I did. Fun. I did. I did. I used to do sort of more lore-based videos a little bit, and I do want to try and do them again. They're just a bit more difficult to kind of edit together. So I did one on the origins of the Death Guard because I have a Death Guard army, and I think the Death Guard are cool. And if people have read the Buried Dagger, um, it's kind of a giveaway for oh. what a lot of the video sort of covers. But so the Buried good. Dagger is a fantastic Horus Heresy book that covers their origins. Uh, quite tragic in a lot of ways. Um, and I also did one. I've also done a couple on kind of more what I like to call. 40k history so not the history necessarily of in the law but the history of the game right yes. so i did one about the ultramarines and where they sort of all started originally um i did one about the um the sort of reasons often quite a controversial topic um and i hope you don't mind me saying but one uh, about like why we don't have female space marines to this day in yeah. the game and the sort of the reasons behind yeah. that back in the early 90s which i think is quite interesting because uh, there's a chap called alan merritt who was basically the head of gw's ip for about 30 years and he get, he actually he was on like a facebook group back in like 2016 or something he actually um you know somebody asked him and he just gave he said look this is what happened i won't spoil it but you know check out my video to uh, to find out um but yeah i think it's an interesting one I, I was just gonna say, um, th does it touch on say some of the lighter like real world influences things? How like how Captain Tycho came about because he was originally a character in a bat White Dwarf battle report, and you know oh, yeah. the fact that he's ah. in, he's in his actual injury for the half mask face thing was because of a weird boy attacking him in the game they rolled up for. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. it's, it's stuff. That. It's stuff. Stuff like that. I think is interesting. Like yeah. I, 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 um, I don't think I didn't. Pu I didn't publish it in the end, but I have got a video on my favourite character in the whole of uh, 40k, which is Inspect, uh, oh. which is uh, Inquisitor Obi Wan Sherlock Cluso. Yeah. Um. Who Who is Love the it. original? He is the OG Inquisitor from Rogue Trader. Yeah. Some wild that. stuff from back then. Like. Um, Another example is how Gasgore Fracker was originally a character-generated character by Andy Chambers for one of his campaigns. Yes, yeah. like he was he, like uh, the name, the war gear, and the like, the clan, and all the rest of it was basically done by a character generator. And it, yeah, it came out as you know this goth war boss in who had a head wound and a cyborg, a cyborg body and stuff like that, and it eventually, yeah. and he was he evolved into Fracker. See, What's I like how these cornerstones cool. of like the 40k canon are just essentially because lol this will be funny yeah or like well, yeah this let's just make let's just do this i always i always think it's just fun to see how things have changed so i, I did do a video as well on on the horus heresy and, and the original kind of ending of the horus heresy because i just think it's really fun when you think about the fact that it's such a pivotal event right in the um in the lore of 40k and the only reason we even have the horus heresy is because when they made the titanicus box the original adeptus titanicus box they were like we need a reason why imperial titan sculpt a is going to be fighting imperial titan sculpt b okay we're going to have this civil war and that's where it all started it's literally because they didn't have a chaos you know that, yeah. that chaos existed in 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 fantasy but they hadn't really. There was a, there was a bit of an argument in GW at the time over whether to bring 
um, a lot more chaosy stuff into 40k because they wanted to that initially they had this idea that they wanted to keep um, the you know magic in, in inverted commas um, like more magical elements in fantasy and that actually it wouldn't work in 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 the sci-fi setting in 40k right there's there's a bit of stuff about psychers but it doesn't the chaos stuff doesn't really come through till a little bit later when you get the um oh there were two books i can't remember what they were called sorry uh, realm, realm of chaos, chaos. realm of chaos yeah. the realm of chaos books that's it yeah, yeah the realm of chaos books and that's where realm of chaos is where we get the original story of the horus heresy featuring general horus <laughs> Which is quite cool. So I will say that video you did, the Origins of Horus Heresy, and um, the why there are no female marines are two of my favorite like pieces of content that you've ever made. Because oh, they thank are you. Really, they're so good and so well researched. I highly recommend them to everyone. Actually, when I was at Cousin Kenobi's, I said to him like, "You need to see this video," and it was the why there are no female space marines one. Oh, cheers, man. That's very kind of you. What, the, the, what I want to do and the thing I want to learn about, and if anyone listening knows knows more about what happened to this, where it came from, there is there is a passing reference, I think in one of the early Rogue Trader books, to something called Dr. Gostello's Intergalactiac Psycho Circus. Huh. And I want to know if anyone knows what the origin of that is or whatever happened to it, because that is something. If GW are going to bring something back, bring back Dr. Gostello and his Intergalactiac Psycho Circus, because I'd just love to see what that's going to look like. <laughs> Oh my word! I mean, when you, as you said that, all I've got images of is um, you know whatever the forty k <laughs> reimagining of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what goes through my head. Mar- Marv- Marvin's a miserable, a miserable man of iron, just with yeah. like loads of guns all over him. Oh my I god! Don't, <laughs> I don't want to fight today. Uh, right. That. Well. <laughs> With that, I think we've almost managed to discuss the hobby journey of Games Workshop itself. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I, I think maybe um, we'll uh, we'll skip over my own garrison at this point. But basically, if any of the regular listeners um, want to check it out, the um, the Burner Bomber has finally been finished. Um, the Outriders from my Lamentus commission are also done. Um, and there's pictures of them up on my Instagram now. I'll probably revisit a more in-depth coverage of them in a future pit station garrison. But yeah, those those various projects finally got off the table and got done. <laughs> I will say I've seen your lamentors on Instagram. They are beautiful. No, thank you. Honestly, I mean, obviously, super, super nice. they're not mine, but I painted them for <laughs> my, my client. Well, the ones that you have painted, that is super nice job. Honestly, dude, you should. You should pat yourself on the back for that one. <laughs> Cheers. There's a lot of uh, fun learning to paint checkers on a curved pad. I've done it plenty of times on my orcs, oh. but all the chapter badges are all freehand. Oh, oh Lord. They're, God. they're, they're well, great. Yeah. The, yeah, that, I know, right? That, that heart is freehand. Yeah, the, yeah. The lament- that's amazing, mate. <laughs> that's really good. Spectacular. I mean, the one trick with it is that the circle um, that's the white roundel with the black um, border... That is actually mm. Imperial Fist transfer. And then I paint over the right. fist. Oh nice. So that gives you a, cool. that gives you the perfect circle to then do the freehand heart in, but the checkers are all freehand and then the um, the heart itself is all freehand. Um, I, I I yeah, I don't envy you having to put all those checkers <laughs> in, I've got to be honest. This is this is um, why I think I would never have Harlequins. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, wow. And then in, you want to see Harlequins look at uh, silver paints on Instagram? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but then in the case of the Burner Bomber, um, the finished pictures of it up now is basically the best way of seeing like all the hot rod flames that I painted on it. Because <laughs> um, it, oh, yeah. it, it gave a nice opportunity to sort of change up the colour palette of the army because all the vehicles are primarily blue. Well, this one is a blue hull. The black flame pattern over the front of it, you know, sort of creates that nice um, difference in the colour palette of the army. So it's a nice bit of a breakup. Yeah, it looks it looks awesome, man. I love I love the base as well with all like scrap on it. Yeah, so all my orcs have sort of like a scrap yard waste, you know, a waste basic to them. Um, but given the fact that the flyers are obviously not physically in contact with it, it gave me the ability to do some actual full scrap piles. So like all three of my orc flyers have bases like that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, so like yeah, I'll probably I mean, do a bit more a, a deep dive on a future episode. <laughs> well, yeah. like I say, I've not bought any new orcs really for about two years because I've been busy working on these ones, and I still now only have just shy of three K painted, um, and you know most of that is vehicles. <laughs> um, so three K of orcs is what like four hundred models. Well, that's the funny thing. I only have fifty painted orc boys of the sixty that I own. Because I basically play mechanized orcs, um, and the majority of all my vehicles are looted imperial versions. Um, Wait, hang on a sec. So you mean to tell me, before the buggy meta became a thing, you were ready for it? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got I've got two trucks built out of Toroxes. Um, I've got one truck built out of a rock a Goliath rock grinder. Um, two gun wagons built out of Lehman Russes. Um, with extended like um, flatbeds on the back of them because that's what the Death Skulls use to loot all the gear after the battle. I like it. Oh um, a shame. I thought this was a narrative podcast, not a meta-chasing, <laughs> like competitive, like, hey, as my orc fire well, buggy you, list. <laughs> do, 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 do you want to know how many scrap jets I own? Oh, God, how many? Yeah, one. one. <laughs> oh, you just got the one. You just got the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> I had a lot. I had a ton of fun painting that because, um, so I even have on the the various like screens and panels you have in the cockpits and stuff. I've got um, uh, an altimeter painted on the uh, screen for the scrap jet as if it's in flight. Yeah, but the altimeter is nice. showing that it's at ground level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, cool. as it okay. you're oh, of course. You're an org. If you believe enough that it can fly, it'll fly. It doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter where you physically are. Um, but no, I love this kind of stuff. The so. the biggest, uh, the highest quantity of a single buggy I own is actually the Boondacker Snazwagon, which is the one that no one ever uses, but I love them. Yeah. Um, what a name. And the best part about those models, of which I own two is the fact that in the passenger footwell there's a ton of discarded beer cans and bottles. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. That is really funny. The, and the one the, the extra feature that basically no one ever notices is the fact that in the the main like axle drive between the drivers, there's actually a cup holder with a beer can in it. Because you don't because you don't see because oh you don't see the entirety of the beer can, you only see the top of it. People often miss it that that's actually what it is. You know what? That's, that's really cool. So it's funny. it's it's the little it's little things like that that I think add add a, add that real touch to the army. 
Um, I think little oh, yeah. little details and little kind of personalization stuff. I mean, my like I my personalization is a bit more prosaic, but all of my sisters are named. Every single one that I t- took to the tournament was had a nameplate <laughs> on it. The only one that did, the only one that doesn't, is Morven Val, and that's because only because uh, a big shout out to Versatile Terrain. We should say again in the continuing oh, yeah. name drops. Uh, but we should say big shout out to Versatile Terrain because he does the the printed nameplates and they are very cool. Um, because it's just the one I use. He doesn't at the moment doesn't make one quite big enough for the ATML <laughs> base that Morven's on. Plus, I figure she kind of she's kind of a thing. She doesn't need a name. Like people should know who she is. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got all of them. I even got Celestine's Gemini named uh, according to their uh, their names from the lore as well, which is cool. Nice. For a second, I was about um, to say, like, ironically, the only person in your army that doesn't have a nameplate is the one person who's actually got a name. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, it would, that would be true, but for but for Celestine. But for um, Celestine, yeah. yeah. So I've I've got I've actually got the same thing. All my custodies, the custodies, have the yeah. Versatile terrain, because it's just with a small force like that, mm. you kind of just have to. And I, I mean, keep like notes on the narrative, like what each one like does on the battlefield, kind of thing. I've named all my significant um, like characters and like my pilots and stuff and every mob of boys, the knob has a name and it's like that knob's mob. So like one of them is like um, Chris Grutz mob and then the knob is Chris Grutz. <laughs> and stuff like That's that. cool. That's cool. <laughs> Sounds like you need some nameplates. I do need some nameplates. <laughs> and he does some awesome orc glyph ones. Yes. Oh, I've seen those. Those are super yeah. nice. However, that will just have to be the next step in my hobby journey, which I think is what we'll transition over to talking about now, because we probably need to make the main segment of the show be at least as long as all the rest of the show. (laughs) (laughs) We did tell you, we did warn you at the start. (laughs) Good tangents all the way. So uh, yeah, we'll be back in a second, guys. Are you enjoying the Narrative Wargamer podcast? If you are, why not check out our community Facebook group at Narrative Wargamer on Facebook. We share our latest hobby projects and narrative battles and aim to grow a community for casual and narrative 40k players. We're always excited to see the awesome things our listeners are working on and it is a great place to hang out with other like-minded hobbyists. You can also find us on Instagram at Narrative Wargamer and over on Twitter at Narrative40k for regular hobby updates on our 40k projects. You kids listen up now, and listen good. The boss has got a message for you all. It looks like some of the boys have been joining the war before they got themselves a proper pen job. How are you kids supposed to get any proper crumping done without a lucky blue chopper or dead flashy shooter, eh? The boss is going to be breaking heads if he captures any of you without a proper paint job. So get your ugly hides to the paint boy over at Narrative Wah Painter. He'll fix you up good and proper, you hear me? Narrative Wah Painter is now open for painting commissions, specialising in good quality, army-wide standards, you can get a quote today by contacting me at narrativewargamer at gmail.com to discuss any potential hobby projects and so I can help you conquer your horde of grey plastic. You can also check out examples of my work over on Instagram at narrativewargamer. What did I say? Right you kids, get your loot in the truck and zog off to the ping pong. 
They better be ready and faster when you get back. And make sure to tell them RedTube sent you. You might get some extra special. And we're back, guys. So we've already alluded to a couple of times now the sort of main topic for tonight, really, which is this concept of the hobby journey. And um, when we introduced our guests for tonight, we went through basically kind of our own hobby journeys from early days to where we are now. We even tangented a few times all the way over to sort of like the hobby journey of Games Workshop itself and the hobby. But this topic was something that actually I wanted to get Alex and Adam on to talk about because of the fact that it, it kind of came up as a passing subject on the Conclave. Um, and this idea that newer hobbyists and to an extent experienced hobbyists often seem to just sort of fall into a certain aspect or side of the hobby quite often because of understandably who and what they encounter and exposed to and that is a very organic process but actually I mean part of the whole reason why this podcast exists is trying to basically spread the good word about all the other kinds of communities and hobbies and sides of the game that exist that sometimes might not get as much time in you know the spotlight or even some people be aware of i know that since starting this show the amount of times that we've talked about topics that say we're in a chapter approved you know of circa 2019 or whatever will be something that someone will message me about saying that they didn't even realize that army composition via random table generation existed that there was an alternate game modes to open war and so on and that discovering these things are really perfect for them i know there was one time someone messaged me about random character generators for your own characters in narrative play there was a whole table of skill trees and stuff for that in chapter approved 2018 i think and so mm. on and it was just the sort of perfect resources that were there f- that games workshop puts out all the time and sometimes just don't get as much focus or attention as they deserve and yeah definitely i think there's part of a a natural journey that occurs for people in this hobby and um you, you said it early before the show, but I've, I've forgotten again. What was um, your friend's name who had the uh, the bad experience at Warhammer World? Silver Paints on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Helena. So I know that sin, uh, say, as I say, bad experience is a, a sort of a loaded term, really, because it wasn't that it was bad, but it seemed almost in a funny oh, way. Oh, no. Well, okay. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, she fully describes it as an awful experience. She had a terrible time. But, in a funny way, wasn't it almost that it was kind of like um, a premature step on her personal hobby journey? Because you were mentioning how things like when she went to the exhibition hall and so on, she didn't quite get some of it. Not because she didn't want to, or because she didn't have an appreciation for what it was, but she just didn't have the years of experience that most people who finally make the journey to Warmer World have by the time they get there, and are steeped in the lore and the knowledge of the game to get that appreciation out of it. And since then, you've you've taken her again, haven't you, as a group, and had a good time with her, and she's really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I I 100% agree with you. So 
Helena um, graduated from um, from her undergrad. Uh, she went to she went to Nottingham, and that's where she got her degree. And so she was like, "Oh, I'm in Nottingham. I may as well go to Warhammer World." Uh, so she did, and it's just like you say. She, what she lacked was context. She didn't know a lot of the lore, a lot of the storylines, but and so she's looking around the uh, the exhibitions. It's like I don't know why any of this is important, other than yeah, this is all really painted really really well, and it was really interesting contrasting that to when I. So it was um, essentially it was like big women in the hobby and me so it was katie from tabletop tactics me maxine uh like well okay <laughs> women with large social media followings yeah that's probably uh, a better description me. than just yeah, a that's a way women. better yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so like big social influencers in the hobby and me and so it's uh katie from tabletop tactics katie's partner maxine uh helena and me uh we went to, to warhammer world um and we were looking around the exhibits and Katie has done a lot more of the, Katie and Maxine as well actually have done a lot more uh, both competitive play and hobby than they have law stuff. And I've read like 180 plus Black Library novels. So we, I was taking them through every exhibit being like, this is the Battle of Sickness Prime. This is Sanguinius. This is why this is an important thing. And then we would look over at something else and be like, this is why this is a cool thing because this is uh, the Battle of Prospero between, look, there's Magnus over there and that's Lehman Russ. And mm. I was explaining yeah. our way through every single exhibit. Funnily enough, just, just just to jump in there because it's the perfect time to tell this story. Uh, um, I once mm. took my, um, at the time, 10-year-old brother-in-law <laughs> um, to <laughs> Warhammer World because he was getting into the hobby and he's, he's really into at the moment and he's enjoying it. And it was for his birthday. I took him to Warhammer World. Took him around the exhibitions, and he, when you got into the Horus Heresy section, one of the first displays was the Battle of Prospero. And oh, yeah. um, obviously, this being the start of the Horus Heresy section, it was also the first time you saw a diorama depicting space marines fighting space marines. Space marines, yeah. So, yeah, right. So, he asked the question, he said, So, why is it that the space wolves who he knew are fighting the red marines what did they do wrong <laughs> like, well, how much time do you have son yeah, yeah. And, I, the, I, I, and the funny thing was i could tell because there were a couple of other hobbyists stood just a couple of paces away who obviously overheard this comment and couldn't help but light-heartedly laugh themselves at the very innocent question of a ten-year-old asking, "So, what did the thousand sons do wrong?" Uh, you feel so that funny. you just turn to him and just go, "I was there the day Horus killed the emperor." <laughs> but like, <laughs> that's the complete sort of context of talking about. You know, like he's new to the hobby, and he's just like, "Oh, so yeah. he doesn't understand the significance of him asking." So, what did Magnus do wrong? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I, I think I think that's the thing. I think we have to remember, and and again, if I'm sort of moving moving this forward too fast, you know, shout at me. But I think when somebody is new to the hobby, right? I think we forget it can be a vast and intimidating monolith, right? To come out. Yeah. This is a this is a game which has existed for now nigh on forty plus years. It is you know it has a vast variety of lore behind it. I mean, in terms of a developed universe where stuff has happened that is, 
you know, you learn about and is quite important and comes up time and time again, as well as more niche stuff that just comes up every now and again, but it's still fairly important to why things are the way they are today in the universe. There's actually very little out there which matches it in scope. I, I would suggest, right, pretty boldly. You've got your other big, like, nerd classics. You've got Star Wars, which has a massive expanded universe. Star Trek also has a big expanded universe. Obviously, Lord of the Rings is, you know, the, the original kind of Tolkien universe, and then what people have kind of added on to that as well. But 40K is definitely up there with them, right? And and fantasy at the, at the time as well, now Age of Sigmar, has, is this sort of developing, you know, lore. And new stuff is being added to it all the time as well. So when you're new and you come at it, it's like, oh, okay, this is this is this can be a lot. I think for people who are experiencing the hobby, I think it's important to remember that. I think I think obviously, you know, the the the, the obvious thing to say is like, don't gatekeep people, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Don't you absolutely. know, like like, and I, I kind of goes without saying, right? And I wouldn't, I don't think any any of us would ever do that. But I think there, there can be a tendency sometimes to do that in parts of the community, and you don't want to do that. But on the same token, as well as not gatekeeping, also, you know, appreciate the fact that it, it, it can be this huge, vast thing that people just don't know about. And actually taking them through it in stages. And if someone asks you these questions about it, that that's probably the way to do it. Because if you just, you know, if you just start going, well, the Horus Heresy begins where blah, 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 blah. And then you've got Davin and then there's the flight of the Eisenstein and then this happens. And then Magnus goes and breaches the the wards in the Emperor's Palace. And then there's a whole war in the webway. And then he comes back, blah, 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 you know, it just it spirals you know, so rapidly. And that's just the Horus heresy, right? That's before you even yeah. get onto that's, the universe 40,000 years later. Yeah, like technically. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the exactly, intro. Exactly, exactly. So I think it's, it's, it's understanding that for somebody who is new, coming at it that it can just be this, this interminably complicated, vast thing, and you kind of have to break it down. So I would actually expand on that as well. And I would say it's actually kind of incumbent upon us as more experienced hobbyists to do kind of like, not just the opposite of gatekeeping, but almost do like the Jedi thing. It's like be that, be someone's hobby. Hello there. Mentor. <laughs> yeah, essentially like be like the Jedi master to like some, the Padawan coming into the hobby. And I've done that a couple of times. Ah, the Imperial um, like... You will never find a greater hive of scum or villainy. I take umbrage with that, but we'll get back, to that. <laughs> get back to that in a second. But I think it's true, like, becoming a hobby mentor to mm. someone who's just coming into the hobby, I think is, like, a really, is, like, one of the next steps in, like, your personal hobby journey because you learn a lot from teaching someone for a start. And also, like, it's just, it's something that really helps expand the community. Yeah. And it's something I found because, like, for example, I got Helena into the hobby. Like, and so I've been sort of guiding her her journey a little bit. And it's been really interesting, the questions that she's been asking me. Um, like, oh, why has, like, why isn't it done this way? Like, how is that done? And it's been really interesting, like, seeing the things that she's been doing. Um, and I think sort of, sort of expanding, I've got, I'm rambling now, but expanding on that as well, I'm talking about getting into the hobby for the first time and it being quite a... I think Helena's experience with like Warmer World is a, is a great example of that because I in no way want to sound gatekeeper or disparaging when I sort of say like was her trip, her initial trip to Warmer World preemptive, you know, uh, or premature because it shouldn't be. Like it shouldn't be that it's a, you know, a nerd nirvana which you have to graduate to. That shouldn't really be the case. Mm. But 
at the well, same time, there's I, a level of greater appreciation and, a, and therefore greater experience to be had. Once it's, con- it's context, isn't it? Is, yeah. Yeah. Context, right? It's what, it's what you said, Alex. It's, it's context, right? It's like anything. You know, you go, if I, if I go, so I went to, a few years ago, I went to Vietnam, right? I went to Hanoi, and we're picking on this example, but I went to Hanoi. I went to one of the museums there, right? If I'd have wandered around that on my own with just no, like, guidance or whatever, I would have been like, what is this all about? You know, I know, I know a little mm-hmm. bit about the history, but, like, actually getting the context of it, you know, getting a guide, getting somebody who can take you through it for something like that, for, for big topics is always good. And for something like Warhammer, where yeah. it is... You know, fundamentally, it's a game of toy soldiers with a huge backstory behind it. And as you say, if you walk around Warhammer World and look at some painted models and go, oh, they're cool, right? When you look at something like the Doom of Iandon or the Battle of Cygnus Prime, right? Those exhibits, these vast dioramas, if you don't know what they're about, you're gonna, you're, the extent of your enjoyment probably is going to be like, those are a lot of cool, well-painted soldiers. I'd like to have some of those. That'd be fun, which is fine. You can enjoy it like that. But like, if you've got somebody with you who goes, oh yeah, this is like this amazing thing where um, Sanguinius, he's like the space daddy of the Blood Angels who are like kind of space vampires. He got, he had to go off and he ended up fighting this demon who's that big red thing over there. You know, if you have that context, right, and you kind of break it down in that enthusiasm, I think it, it adds yeah. context. It makes you excited. Daddy of the space vampires and understand he's one of the paragons of the good guys. Yeah, exactly, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, you know. But I, but I think well, it is it's fun like to... your, your fiancé, oh, okay. Yeah, go on, no, go on, go on, go on, Alex. Uh, I was just going to say, didn't, uh, didn't your fiancé, uh, Kelly, uh, didn't she say, like, isn't, does, is he a baddie? she's reading she's reading the um the horus heresy she's, she's read eisenhorn uh, and she's reading the horus heresy at the moment like reading through just just she's done basically everything up to fulgrim and now it's it's a case of just you know flicking through and, and seeing what book she wants to read um but but those first four books and it, it is quite fun talking with her again as somebody who's sort of you know new to the universe um and and you know doesn't doesn't really play the game to be like when she goes like you know she said, she said, actually, she said something the other day, which which I thought was quite fun. She was talking, she's just finished reading the the, the first Heretic, uh, which I think is a great book, uh, which is about the great origins of, of obviously the the word bearers and Argyll Tal and the Galvor back, the sort of demon possessed guys. And um, she's like, oh man, you know, I sort of feel sorry for him because you know he was just trying to be a trying to kind of do what he thought was right. But you know, why would you let yourself get possessed by a demon? But then again. You know the emperor. I'm not on his side either. He definitely need, he had some issues with his his child rearing skills. You know, so it's quite fun to talk to her about it because again, it's that gives you that outsider's perspective of kind of and and she she regularly goes to me. She says, "Is it ever going to be? Is it ever? Is it ever going to be a happy ending?" And I was like, eh, "I mean, not not really. It's 40k, unfortunately. Not really but, what um, this universe is about. Yeah, it's kind of a bit miserable. You get your it's nice a, moments. It's like that. Of. It's like that meme from the Avengers. It's like we we don't do that here." <laughs> yeah 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 but um but yeah i think it, it is kind of interesting to introduce new people so like my buddy my buddy blake with the orcs you know looking around went to a went to a, a game store basically wandered around looked at what he thought was cool and was like what does this do oh actually so <laughs> kelly has just messaged me and she has said lorgar is a whiny little and i'll let you fill the rest of that in <laughs> <laughs> which i don't i don't think anyone's going to disagree with listeners if you're a, if no, you're a word bearer, I'm sorry, bears. but but I mean, actually, this is something that I think we should talk about a little bit as well, and this is something that Helena, <laughs> this definitely is something Helena felt like walking to Warhammer World. The experience of getting into the hobby as a woman as well is different 
than if mm-hmm. you're a guy, um, because it is a, currently uh, a male-dominated space, um, and so they've kind of had to like. <laughs> What's up? Sorry, I, I'm just getting I'm getting a, a series of um, <laughs> a series of messages about Logar now. Um, <laughs> I, I won't be using Logar. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So like I was saying, it's it is is this male dominated space, and so I think again, it is on us to create this safe space where women who are coming into the hobby feel safe and comfortable enough to you know post things on instagram to be at physically at tournaments like for example uh, i had a, at a friend of mine who came to the london grand tournament um and she said to me afterwards like i wouldn't i was i doubt if i would have come unless i unless i um because i i basically said to her like oh you're coming alone it's your first tournament just come and hang out with me and the conclave guys and she said if if i hadn't done that she probably wouldn't have come because she used to get socially anxious and it was a new environment for her. That's Rosie, right? So I think that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Rosie, yeah. uh, Rosie Paints123. Fantastic painter. Highly recommend uh, people follow her on Instagram. But yeah, definitely. she felt a bit nervous coming into this new environment. And so I think it's one thing we have to sort of get a little bit better at as a community is just making sure that you know, women who are coming in are comfortable and they feel safe at these at these events. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, like the ultimately, um, and Tony, if you want me to shut up, jump in. Uh, but um, I, ultimately, I think you know there was that there was that that thing that Games Workshop put out a little while back, right? Where the, the line of it was, "Warhammer is for everyone," right? And that's what it has to be. It has to be for everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you know, whatever, however you identify, none of that matters. You're welcome, because it's something we say on the something we say on the Conclave a lot. More people in the community, more people to talk about Warhammer with, more people to roll dice with. Why? Why would you not want that, right? In what in what universe is that yeah. a bad thing, right? It's it's just more people enjoying this hobby, and also the, the expansion of Warhammer over the last couple of years has been massive. I mean, Games Workshop is like more worth more than you know Centrica British Gas on on the on the FTSE, right? They've they've expanded hugely throughout lockdown, despite the fact that obviously a lot of people were cutting back. People are still spending money on tabletop wargaming, and people want to go out and hang out with people and get that face to face experience, which you know you can we can now have more, you know, as we move out of out of COVID, which is really nice. So I just think you know it's a fantastic time to get people into it and people who who are new who want to join, like you know, jump in. And, and just try and, as Alex says, give them that, like, you know, there's no stupid questions, right? There's no there's no such thing. And that, that's, that, that goes to my point about, I guess, almost a gatekeeping point. Like, there are no stupid questions in a universe with massive, and I mean, there are no stupid questions anyway, but in a universe with massive, often contradictory lore, ridiculous names for most things, let's be honest right and slightly hilarious you know when you when you divorce yourself from my enthusiasm for saying like frankly quite hilarious you know stuff like oh yes there's a bunch of um genetically uh enhanced super warriors um but they're all vikings and they like to drink a drink that um would you know floor a man um in in like one one little tiny sip right and that's their thing they do and they all just run around getting in scraps with another bunch of guys who are bad guys um but most of them are actually just big piles of dust inside their armor so they're just a bit dusty you know it, it it's they, they share a common trait with their uh, viking enemies in that they're both afraid of vacuum cleaners um so you know the the um the, the, there's there's loads like ridiculous thought and just have fun with it you know just it's yeah. fun at the end of the day 
Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how your game goes. Yeah. One phrase they often throw around in respect to like the narrative and lore and but something that allows for that two ends of the scale to exist simultaneously is the idea that all the fluff and all the narrative and everything that's built into this universe, while everything is canon, not everything is true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It's I, you know, I think the 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 way I, the way I've heard it described is it's like you whenever you read something in Warhammer you're hearing it from somebody's point of view right yes like yeah. you're hearing it, as you say everything's canon yeah even the codexes are written you know I mean the the classic example of that is is like the Tau battlesuits well they're not really called Riptides and Crisis and you know yeah. I, I I can't another one escapes me for now but uh, broadsides those are the names the Imperium gives them right yeah. An exocrine is not an exocrine. That's the name given to it by the Imperium. You the know, so are not called Tyranids. That's Tyranids, they were no. Counted on yeah. tri- uh, Tyrant. Yeah. Tyrant. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're just called screaming psychic noises uh, that I won't attempt to replicate <laughs> for deafening the listeners. Um, but yeah, so it's all it's all from somebody's perspective, and and when you see it that way, you get mm. to think, oh, okay, maybe. And 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 on that, and sorry again if I'm, I'm rambling, but on that, that is why there is so much scope for making up your own stuff right yeah there is this this game is designed for you to be able to make up your own law if you want a custom chapter that does a certain thing do it nothing wrong with that make up your own narrative build your narrative play your games you know like alex keeps a record of all of his custodies and you know what <laughs> jeffius the mighty has got his arm cut off by a by Mortarian or something, and now he's going to go hunt down all the Death Guard and chop their heads off. You know, it, it's a really fun way of doing it, and and actually building that into the, into your game. And there is loads of scope for that. So as a new player as well, don't be afraid if you really like mm. something. You know, maybe I say new player, you know, relatively new, you've maybe got some models, started to build something up. You don't have to paint them as Ultramarines. You don't have to paint them as whatever the box art says. Do what you want. You know, and that's yeah, the beauty I mean, of it. It's your hobby. Yeah, I I think sort of part of that gels really nicely with what I've sort of noted down here is what I think are the key three points of the early stages of the hobby journey for probably mm. everyone. It, it, however you end up experiencing those three points varies a little bit, but in terms of like the game at least, physically learning the process of playing the game, just the rules, the mechanics, how it plays, I think that's probably typically the first step for most people. And then that second step is finding that wider community and the people that you're going, you're identifying as being these are my hobby people. You know, this mm. is the people that I, I do my hobby with in my way because that's it just speaks to me and how I want to do it. And that third sort of final point that you're leading on to then with things about like creating your own chapter and stuff and seeing about how you want the narrative of your army to be is because once you're more established with the concept of the universe you start understanding what you want to do in that space and how you make the hobby your own Mm. Um, and I think it's probably true of a lot of people that maybe they started out with space marines, maybe they started out with ultramarines, do you know what I mean? But that's probably whatever army they learnt to roll dice with and learn the mechanics of the game is probably not often going to be the army they first make into a real army project for themselves because once they've learned what the game is, how to play it, and sort of start to understand the wider universe, maybe that's when they discover they really like Tau. That's when yeah. they discover they really like Gene Stealer Cult. 
stuff that maybe you wouldn't typically start with but actually you find that that's where you really enjoy this aspect of the universe and that's where you get the most investment out of your investment of time and effort and enjoyment yeah no definitely definitely and i think that that as a sort of three three bullet point list is a is a really good one um and i think you know these days it's interesting about how people actually encounter warhammer because like when mm. I was, you know, when I was a kid, like you, you mentioned earlier, and it, it, it struck in my mind actually, um, the, the the kind of thing Alex was saying about, you know, the local hobby store was around the corner. So you walk past the games workshop, you see the stuff in the window, and you're like, oh, they look cool. You know, that's what <laughs> I sounded like when I was that age, apparently. Um, so I remember when I when I, you know, as well as the Lord of the Rings stuff that I saw, so Blue Water Shopping Centre down in Kent, right, opened in 1999. There was a games workshop in there. It's no longer there, sadly. And one thing I remember about it, the Games Workshop there, it had a, a little like awning over the door. It was on the second floor in this huge, you know, massive, bloody great marble mall concourse thing. And it had a space marine. It had a big statue of a space marine, a bit like the one that's at Warhammer World, above the, the door. And from the first time I saw that, I was like, ooh, what's that? That looks cool. Oh, I'm interested in that, right? And that that kind of got my you know my brain working. And again, whenever I walked past, even before I'd got Lord of the Rings stuff, I'd always want to look in the window and see what they were, and you know look at the little models. I think these days, I wonder if that's people's main point of contact still. I'd I'd love to know. Like I I just love to see the stats, right? On what because Games Workshop must have them, right? They they must keep tabs as much as they can on like how many people are coming into the stores, how many people like first time purchases, maybe things like that. I think that'd be an interesting thing to see versus people, you know, these days, people play the video games, right? You talk about Space Marine, a lot of people's first contact with Space Marine or Total War Warhammer. I mean, that's massive on its own. And there's a load of people that play that and have never touched a mini, right? So yeah, go on, Alex. Yeah, I was going to say, I personally think that at the moment, there are two, three big pipelines for people coming into the hobby. Number one, you've got people like me and Adam, who we played as kids, we've got disposable income, we're adults, and we thought, okay, this is going to be a good hobby for me, and we're back in, and we're back in in a big way. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's the big pipeline, Yeah. Uh, and you see a lot of that, especially in London. Um, the scene is just full of people who are like, I played as a kid, I'm back in, especially after lockdown. I think the next big pipeline is YouTube. People who are gamers, people who are just watching YouTube videos and they stumble across something vaguely Warhammer related and they're like, what is this? And they'll start watching lore videos. They'll start watching maybe the odd, you know, play on tabletop video. And they'll be like, oh, what, what, what is this? And they'll start, they'll start exploring, they'll discover Games Workshop and it will spiral from there. Um, and I think the third way, and I think that's this is a really big one, is people who are brought into the hobby by friends. Because um, I know I personally have at least brought three or four people into the hobby who had very little experience of it before. Um, and yeah, I think hobbyists sharing their hobby with other people is another big pipeline for that. Um, so yeah, this is where it comes back to being the, the Jedi Master and having the Padawan Learner. Yeah, I'd say as well that in the sort of, you know, post 2020 world, really, I think there's a fourth one as well, which is sort of on par with your YouTube example. But I actually think that since the recent D&D renaissance that's been going on, 
Um, and by extension, that's led to a larger physical presence of lo- uh, like local gaming stores that are not necessarily mm. Games Workshop ones. Definitely. Everything nerdy. You know, I've seen it myself. Oh, you know, yeah. you know, local gaming stores. You're talking about Bad Moon Cafes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Living Realms here locally, stuff like that. Elysium War Games. Yeah. You know, even like Element Games and stuff, you know, the big names. Yeah. In it. But yeah. those local stores they've got a clientele who've originally started walking through their doors because they want to start playing D in person. They wanted to play Magic the Gathering. They actually were big board game players. And what happens a lot of the time is when these stores are springing up, the existing war gamers flock to that location to be like, great, so we can play <laughs> yeah. Warhammer. Descend actually, like vultures. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. given the nature of our game versus people sat at a table to play D&D or two people sat playing with a deck of cards each. Inevitably, yeah. just the, the footprint of those stalls, about 50% of them typically will be given over to wargaming. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I, th- I think... Yeah. And I think yeah. the people who are there as clients of another game system in nerddom will absorb Warhammer through osmosis <laughs> and start to be like taking an interest in it that way. My, my buddy Blake, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely bang on. I mean, where I am in London, I've got Bad Moon Cafe down the road, which is open, been open, what, Alex, two, three two, years? Two, two, two years. years. Yeah, it's yeah. not been not been around that long. I've had another one open down the road, like, almost a year ago. So, like, mid, mid-COVID, mid right? That's, like, five minutes from me in, in, in Deptford. Big shout-out to them guys at Tanuki Gaming, which is a really awesome little, uh, like, again, board game cafe, D&D, Magic, and also Warhammer as well. Um, there's one over in, like, Hackney, just over the other side of the river that, that's opened as well, um, that, that I know some people go to. I've seen people posting in the London WhatsApp groups about, oh, you know, people in northwest London, this other place is open, they can go to. The renaissance in, in, in just board game cafe type mm. establishments as you say has been massive and i think i think it does speak to a bit of a uh and not to not to get too serious and away from wargaming but like a bit of a kind of socioeconomic phenomenon which is like millennials right our generation right the oldest millennials are like 40 now sorry to spoil it for you but when people are <laughs> millennials they 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 although i think the papers still use it as a as a way of being like young people that don't work well actually we're, uh, uh. we're the bulk of the working population right in 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 a lot of respects now and as we have disposable income and because of the nature of the economy now the housing market things like that we do want to spend it on stuff that we're going to be going to find fun and I think there is genuinely a bit of kind of not jadedness with stuff like video games, but we all grew up playing video games. People still game. People still do a lot of gaming. Gaming is obviously massive. Of course it's massive. But I do think there has been this renaissance in people wanting to sit down or stand up in the case of Warhammer um, and be face to face with people and be opposite people and move little tiles around a board or play card games or just, just be around each other. And it's kind of our way of, you know, not necessarily going out on the lash all the time, (laughs) <laughs> but actually going out and having a nice night, having a few drinks and playing some board games, playing some Warhammer, playing some D&D. Sounds like ideal. I mean, I'm biased because that's what I like to do, but you know. I would actually expand on that as well. And I think this goes back to like, Adam, your your origin story almost. Um, we, Games Workshop and like Warhammer and Wargaming and board games in general occupy this space where it's a hobby you can do that doesn't involve a screen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really big thing. 
because we spend our, all of our lives looking at phones, looking at computers. And so if you do a hobby that doesn't involve looking at the screen, like we are ironically doing right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's a big deal. And uh, yeah, it just draws people into it. I mean, I think another big part of it is the sort of tactile nature of it. The fact that yeah. it isn't just like you buy a board game with pre-painted pieces. You buy a, a magic deck with cards that come, you know, with obviously card art and so on. Like, mm. the, I think that creative outlet that it provides as well is also something that um, a lot more people are, I think, willing to give a try these days. There's more of an acceptance of, like, you don't have to be an artist or artistic person to be able to paint a Warhammer miniature. You like it, obviously that in itself becomes a whole hobby journey in the terms of the creative side of it. You know, painting Warhammer is a lifelong endeavor in terms of skill development. It just will be, even if you don't try, you will get better with time. You know, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. there's it, there's definitely uh, something to be just like gained out of that where you just feel it's quite um uh, what's the word it's quite a self-esteem boost i think for people once they actually get past yeah just understanding that they can enjoy their own painting at whatever level it is definitely and it, it it's you said so, it's that tangibility thing it's like this is mine i made this and yeah. i can show this isn't people. something i unlocked from mm. a loot casket after leveling yeah 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 exactly yeah. i mean that's actually what i say to people like i used to be a fairly prolific gamer and i barely touch my xbox these days yeah. because mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm constantly thinking in my head like i can play you know a level of hitman and it will take me three hours at the end of it i'll have played a level of hitman whereas i can spend three hours painting a space marine at the end of it i'll actually have that space marine so you do get that tactic tactile sense but also i would i would add that i would say that's the starting point that's where people start into the hobby and they stay because i think there's this really big thing at the moment that a lot of people talk about especially in business and it's all about finding your tribe Um, in in the business context it's you know finding your tribe to sell things to but in this case it's finding your tribe because as adults making friends is hard like the playground isn't a thing that exists anymore and that is where you normally make friends as a kid and so it's it's like I, I made one new friend when I moved to London in three years. And then when I started playing Warhammer, I ended up with dozens of close friends just because we had this shared interest and hobby, of which Adam is one. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, like it's true. It's true. No, like, it, we, it, we discovered each other. Yeah, no, I think I think you're I think you're you're hundred percent right. Like it sounds quite kind of sad to say it, but like, you know, when you're an adult working, you know, meeting new you don't people, meet people. Yeah, meeting new people can be quite difficult, definitely. You know, you just you just don't. You know, I mean, what 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 do you do? Do you go down the pub or something? You just go up to some random people. Mm. I mean, I'm a Londoner born and bred, yeah. but like, you know, someone does that. To me, I'm like, <laughs> you what, mate? Who are you? You know. Whereas, whereas in you know, in in a, in a Warhammer context, because you know, most of the time you'll be playing with people you've never met, right? You you won't have a gaming group, but you'll go out and you'll play with people you've never met before. So you you actually get to kind of meet a lot of new people through it. And actually, as Alex says, you know, it's a, it's just a great way to make friends. Yeah, or mortal then, enemies if they if they screw yeah. you on the tabletop. I don't know. So that's the point. Then, like you said about finding finding your tribe, sort of thing. And I I think perhaps this now within the context of um, Warhammer, and certainly within the context of the gameplay, um, mm. that's the next thing now that I think is perhaps 
there's not as much thought or development into it as there should be because I I do think so. For example, um, Games Workshop themselves they market this concept of the three ways to play. And, you know this idea of open play, narrative play, narrative matched, match play. yeah. But yeah. I other than the fact that it appears physically in publications that they you know put out there, I don't feel the three ways to play are often like marketed that much, really. And I don't know what your perspectives of this would be, but I think uh, it's fair to say that there is a push naturally towards competitive play, and yeah. that's not yeah. necessarily so, the only way to <laughs> to play. Yeah, I mean. I'm I'm a little bit biased in this because like I'm a crusade playtester for Games Workshop, so <laughs> <laughs> there are things I can and can't say. Um, but I mean, what I what I would say is I think specifically in London, they and I think uh, interesting to get Adam's perspective on this as well. I think in London specifically because there are so many people that play, it does tend to lean towards a competitive context, um, and also. I think if we talk about narrative specifically, I like, I really enjoy the Crusade system. I think it's fantastic. The issue with it is that not enough codexes are out yet for people to fully explore it. Like, hmm. unless you have your Crusade relics, unless you have your Crusade agendas, it's playing rulebook Crusade isn't as good as having your own codex out. So once we get more of the codexes out, I think we're going to see a big resurgence of Crusade as a system. I mean, um, I, I can also totally believe that. Yeah, and so and sort of, I would add to that as well. Um, like Crusade just requires a little bit more planning because you'll play it as sort of like a three-month cycle yeah. rather than like a pick-up and play. So a pick-up and play against a new opponent um, is it's much easier just to play matched. There's, there's uh, and that is involved, right? yeah, it's, yeah. There's way less bookkeeping involved in match play. Um, and the thing is, especially, and I talk about London as well, with things like the London Wargaming Guild, with the, the Bad Moon League, you're facing new opponents all the time. Like uh, the London Wargaming Guild, you just sign up to one of their knights and they'll match you against a random person. You can't really turn up and say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm in month two of a crusade game. Do you mind if we play 1,000 points? Because <laughs> most people would just be like... Um, I, I do mind actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will agree. I think the Crusade system um, works best as a playgroup system, as opposed to a complete pick up and play with yeah. know, someone completely yeah. new for your first time. 100%. Now, I mean, I think it can do that, but I think it would have to be two experienced Crusade players who happen to be meeting each other for the first time for it to work. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. But then, I, on the flip side as well, uh, just sort of my, my last point on this idea of the three ways to play, I think it is a little bit mismarketed because I don't believe there's three ways to play. I, I do think that the concept of the three ways to play needs to evolve slightly because, realistically now, I think there's four ways to play. Which, Interesting. sticking to this concept that they've developed, open play, narrative play, which in itself I think is a bit of a hybrid now between what it used to be and the Crusade system. But that mm. point aside, I think there's open play, narrative play, matched play, and competitive play. I think the two yeah. need breaking out, really. 
Yeah, I I, I right. can I can see that, and it's it's it is interesting because actually I was having this conversation or similar to this with uh, our friend uh, Josh Josh the War Hipster uh, when we were when we were at Goonhammer and so we were having a chat in the evening about like how would we change the game, um, and I, I think a lot of people are focused on this now. And again, sorry, I know. <laughs> not meant to talk that much competitive on the podcast but to mention it briefly because i think it is worth saying right there is there is there is a focus on it because fundamentally the meta at the moment for if anyone does follow competitive that's listening and that's sort of interested in that the meta at the moment is people acknowledge it is pretty broken it's horrendous it is it is like i think that at at a recent at at the socal the southern california open which is like a big long-running quite historic uh grand tournament there was a the winning list i think was an orc list involving lots of planes lots of buggies and i'm fairly sure it won in turn one yeah right same thing in the, the final LGT. game which is which is a bit yeah same thing in the LGT, which is a problem right and i think where you're where you're 100 bang on about this difference between competitive and uh matched play for want of a better word is that competitive bleeds into how we play the game the ultra the ultra competitive yeah. right mm. people see that and I, I look i'm i'm a bit guilty of it and i contribute to it i hold my hands up because i make videos where i say this is a unit this is why it's good this is how you might try and use it i would say my disclaimer to that is i do also try and cover units that aren't necessarily the best thing in the world but just because i think they're cool paragon warsuits anybody for the sisters um won't see them on a competitive table anytime soon well theory anyway um but but the um th- those lists and that style of playing and that real optimization because that's what it is it's, it's optimization and efficiency yes. um bleeds over into matched play it means that anybody who's coming along to a game and, and where i think you know you said you wanted my six one alex i think you're right in london in the, in the London Wargaming Guild groups, you know, and shout out to the guys at the London Wargaming Guild, by the way, because they organise regular beginners nights. They organise regular stuff. Bad Moon Cafe have a beginners night as well. If people, you know, are interested in going on, listeners in London, um, well worth the, it. They, yeah, well worth it. They, they still the expectation there, I think, is that most games you play will be relatively competitive. Mm. You know, there'll be matched play, but you'll probably be still be trying to run your best army. The, the resolution for that at the moment, and I, I do think it's the way to do it generally, is talk to your opponent, right? When you get matched up with someone, if you have, as long as you get matched up obviously in time before, right? If you come to some random event, talk to them. Just say, hey, I'm going to be running my, I don't know, my Tau, right? Loads of Fire Warriors, no real battle suits. Any chance we could do a game that's maybe not like you bringing 10 Admech Flyers? Okay, yeah. cool. Let's do that. You know what I mean, right? There's a yeah. there's that it's, conversation to have. Yeah, it's, it's the social like, contract. Yeah, it's it's the social contract, and it's the it's the imperial knight conundrum. That's what it is. It's the idea <laughs> yeah. where yeah. the Castellan you know, conundrum. <laughs> yeah, it, it, especially in terms of like you know six and seven fed imperial knights. It's the idea that if you were gonna rock up and play a pickup game with someone in seven fed. Like chances are, uh, I didn't say it's seven fed pre formations. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. chances yeah. are, you'd rock up with your armies and you'd probably have a good game, regardless of any prior knowledge of what the two of you were bringing and what missions you were going to play. But if you just rocked up with your army and then it was a knight player you were against, chances are the way seven fed worked 
you weren't going to be in for a fun game unless you knew you were playing mm. against Knights in advance. And that's not to say that you had to list Taylor to beat them, but you certainly had to put some consideration into what you brought to simply have a, de- a game. You know, yeah. and it, that's kind of what it is now in terms of if someone's going to rock up with their 18 buggies orc list and you want to show up with your Tau Fire Warriors. You know, <laughs> like, there's a, a disparity there. There's an interesting caveat to this as well. Um, I think Ed, uh, the Sandman on the Conclave, talk, has talked about this a couple of times, in yeah. that um, an issue that we run into as well is that beginners don't know anything. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, is that they'll just netlist. And by netlisting, we mean they'll go on Reddit, they'll go on the internet, they'll find a list, and yeah. they'll just buy everything on the list because they, they don't it, know what to get. And that tends to be a very high-level competitive list. Yeah, it's a natural instinct to say to people, you know, to say to people you know who played a game and go, hey, I'm collecting this army, what's good, right? Exactly. Or like, what should I get? Yeah, what should I get? And most people will be like, oh, you should get this, 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 and this, because they're really good. And you can use them like so, right? So, yeah. And the the issue is then, they will bring that to casual games and not understand that that's an exceptionally powerful list, and they'll absolutely obliterate people, because they don't know how to tailor a list up and down. That's when you know. That's when you know a book's a bit broken when someone who's like two <laughs> weeks into the the get mm-hmm. their gaming can turn up with the army and go dead, 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 <laughs> dead, dead. Point you know, like die. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but but no, I think to to your point, like that there should be four ways to play. I think that's true, and I think mm. that unless the game changes quite fundamentally, the kind of well, yeah, go on. So, so I I find that now with the distinction of the addition of the crusade system as well. It's causing more and more this this death of the matched play system because it's either you most people are either looking to play competitive because either they don't know any better, it's all they've ever really experienced, or like you say, it's just what the internet has told them because they're new to the game. And therefore, yeah. you're playing the more competitive end of the spectrum or you're sort of saying, I don't want to do that, what's the alternative? And the alternative is billed as Crusade, which in itself, like you say, is is time-intensive, uh, there's a lot of bookkeeping involved, it's not as great for a pick-up-and-play game with a stranger. Like, it's got its merits for its mm. system, and it does what it does very well. I'm a big advocate of it. But it's not what it's not a neat... It's not the casual start place. Yeah, yeah it's not the casual start yeah. place. And... That's why if you don't want to do all the you know, the deep dive casual gameplay that is Crusade, that's why mm. playing competitive GT mission pack feels like the simple solution. When in fact, yeah. there should be this middle ground where you just want to say, I want to play 1,500, 2,000 points games with someone. I want to yeah, bring my absolutely. free detachments, yeah. use the rule of three, and play a game. But that yeah. doesn't have to be you have to be picking these secondaries from your GT mission pack and playing these missions. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I can't retrieve Octarius data. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there I mean, should. I be would. That. I would sort of add. Go on. Yeah, I, I was just going to say I would add to that as well. Um, it is interesting we talk about all of this. Um, it almost seems like we're talking about the competitive scene, like it's a negative thing. And I, I would sort of just go out of my way a little bit just to say that. I think one of the best things the ultra competitive scene does for the community is help balance the game because all of these super high level yeah. competitive players, they're looking to break the game 
And oh, so yeah, for definitely. the more casual crowd, it becomes harder and harder to make these lists that just ruin people immediately because the points balances come in because people have found ways yeah. to break those yeah. lists. If if GW react if GW is reactive, and I think maybe mm. I won't go into it, but I think there is some <laughs> legitimate criticism that they are not reactive enough in some cases. <laughs> um, that they that if they react to that, I completely agree, and I I would agree. I I, I play competitive, I do it a lot, and I, I it's great. I enjoy it. I enjoy going to tournaments, and I think even if you're not a competitive player, don't ever be put off going to a tournament if you really want to, right? Because they're still fun. You're still going to meet people. You're still going to have a good time, right? Fundamentally. And, you know, it's still a good thing to do. What I would say to be positive, because we like positivity, right, is practical ways to address this. And I think there are a couple of examples I can think of from stuff I've seen that actually help this, especially for a new player. So I think number one, in a general sense, is escalation leagues. Escalation leagues are a really good idea, right? Because what they are like, so people don't know what an escalation league is. You start off with like, let's say 500 points. I've seen people do it down to 250, but I think 500 is normally the starter. And then you do like 500, maybe 750, one, uh, you know, 1,000, maybe 1250, 1,500, 1,750, 2,000 potentially, right? Depending on how many sort of gaps you want to put in it. Um, but you, they allow you to, to build up your force over time to play games with it, to learn uh, how the how the army works, how the game works. And also with Escalation Leagues, people can put in custom missions and custom rules to kind of try and balance it mm-hmm. a little bit, right? So the the London Wargaming Guild does, does regular Escalation Leagues that are quite good that have custom missions set up. So you're not worrying about picking GT secondaries, right? But it, at a thousand points, they can go, well, look, hey, here's a list of three secondaries. Pick one of those to go with your the three objectives or whatever or the four objectives on the table that you're fighting over in this thousand point game with you versus somebody else right so it's a good way of slowly learning and kind of bringing back that match play without it being like i've my 500 point list is mortarian and yeah you know that's yeah. it i know um, that you know actually what I mean? this is something that um pleasant kenobi was almost a victim of when he transitioned from magic to 40k in that when he started out and he went to his first like local small-scale tournament as it were and it was like thousand point games he brought the silent king in his thousand point list yeah <laughs> right because he doesn't like what are you doing yeah because in terms yeah. of in terms of the social contract he doesn't know any better because he was new to yeah, 40k exactly. it's his first like event and all the rest of it and it, obviously on paper and coming from a very well-educated magic it's, background it makes sense it's a legit choice. clearly a powerful thing you know it's going to work well and it's going to make this list function but also i'm just going to point this out uh total name drop oh yeah yeah there's one there okay <laughs> vince oh yeah love it who, who we who we love to be clear um but the the i think the um the other one i was going to say is there are tournaments out there that are narrative focused there are right so the one the one that i will i will blow wave a flag blow a trumpet i don't know do whatever send up smoke signals for is fun and fluff so in london in the london walking world we have this tournament called fun and fluff and we we i think we all have we said on the conclave i think we all agree that as an introduction to like tournaments to you know playing multiple games over a day which in and of itself is a thing that not many people might do right it is such a good introduction because it's 1500 points there are list restrictions on what you can bring so it stops people bringing you know the full cheese platter 
as it were. And there's also points. The way the tournament works is it's not just your games, it's your narrative. You write narrative for your army. You write a story behind it. And, you know, there's points for people who dress up and stuff <laughs> as well. Like, uh, it's really, yeah. it really okay. does really does lean on that, you know? I would like to point out that there are points for dressing up at uh, Fun and Fluff. There are no points for dressing up at Winter Warfare, as as we as we found out. I don't care. I'm glad <laughs> I wore my Space Pope outfit. I wore my Space Pope oh, outfit, yeah. and I was proud of that at Summer Slaughter. Actually, you uh, looked so, I, very snazzy. Well, you look very snazzy as uh, as you're sort of in your custodian purple um, sort of cloak you had as well, my friend. So I wouldn't worry it about is. it. We, I think we all look rather spiffing. Um, but yes, let's say to get back to the point, there are these narrative tournaments mm. which are a place you can go and play a kind of a hybrid right between the, in those four ways to play it's, it's match play with a narrative twist yes yes which is almost Never what play. i kind of advocate for on the narrative wargamer like the so I, I think the best way of surmising this concept of the division between competitive and matched play was getting players to think about and ask when was the last time they actually just in air quotes played a game for fun i.e they didn't play to either get some reps in with practicing a gt mission or they weren't playing in order to try and refine a list when were you know uh, so, that is a very um, good would, set of questions actually i mean i i personally would say every game of warhammer i play is is for fun because i like all <laughs> aspects of the game yeah so, but i mean <laughs> it's true i mean i i mean I actually sort of like going back a, a little bit. Um, I was just going to say there's one thing I think that we kind of forget a little bit when, especially introducing someone into the game. Um, sorry, I've gone way back on this I one, but I had, to, I had to get it out. Um, and it's kind of, and I, I, if I didn't mention a fencing analogy, it wouldn't be me. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so there, there is a thing in fencing at the top level of competitive fencing. The number of left-handed people is like 50-50 to right-handed which is obviously way more than there are actually in the population. Mm -hmm. And there's a theory that the reason for that is because the left-handed people just win a lot uh, when they're kids, so they stick with fencing as a sport because they win a lot. Uh, and I think that is true to an extent in Warhammer as well. And I have, I have experienced this. Uh, my friend Raf, who I did this Black Templars tutorial for, um, I, want, I, was, I really wanted to get him back into the hobby. And so I took him to Bad Moon and we played just a little 500 point game between, you know, some Space Marines and some Imperial and uh, some Custodies. And in the first game, I won with the Custodies. And you could tell that he was like a bit sad, a bit dejected, just like, oh, okay, I don't think I really enjoyed that. And then in the next game, we swapped sides and I made sure that I put my, my faction, my side in such a position that I knew he would win. And now he's back in the hobby. So I think it kind of is incumbent upon you as a person introducing someone into the hobby to kind of let them win because well, people I think, hate I think losing. just don't stomp them. Just don't stomp yeah, them, right? It's, like, it's okay to lose. You're going to lose. Yeah. And when, yeah. You, when you pick up a new army, I don't care how good you are, unless you're like Richard Siegler, people know who he is, <laughs> who can like, seems to pick up any army and just go win a tournament with it. Um, mm -hmm. When you pick up a new army, when you start a new army, you're going to lose a lot, right? Uh, and yeah. and I, I this analogy, I like my sisters. I've lost loads of games with my sisters, and they're a very good army. They're a very good army, very good rules, right? At competitive level, and I've lost loads of games with them, but I still love them. Still keep playing them, and the more you play, the better you get. 
right? It's as simple as that, you know? The, 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 uh, so it's okay to lose. What, what I was going to say as well, sorry, just on the narrative match competitive distinction, the thing we do need to remember, and this applies more to Crusade, I think, than it does to narrative play in, 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 in air quotes, right? Because I think narrative play can be anything. And one of my favourite examples of narrative play is what our friend, name drop, Winters does on his channel, Winners <laughs> SEO, right? When he does, and I've said this to him, when we talk to him, when he does stuff like, you know, oh, oh, your tanks are driving over this thing. Oh, there's squig bombs raining down from above. I'm literally just going to stand on a stepladder over the table and drop a piece of paper on it, right? Yeah. And wherever they land, we'll go, right, six inches from there, are you in range? Roll a D6, how many more wins do you take? Stuff like that, I think, is brilliant. I think it's quite hard to do it without a pre-setup. And I would love, I would absolutely love to run a like narrative day tournament that had stuff like that, where I could just basically go around and be a sort of trolling games master and be like, <laughs> oh no, you've run over a mine. Let's roll a D6 and see if it goes off. You know, all this kind of ridiculous stuff, right? Because I just think stuff like that is funny. But it's still narrative. But in Crusade, although it's narrative, you can still get a lot of power creep right and i think that is the other problem with the crusade system the crusade system unless everybody is unless there is maybe a games master someone who can make sure that everybody is rolling on their tables you know for how it all works you can have a tendency for people to go ah oh, all my bonuses are going to go on this guy and his narrative he's really good at everything and he's really hard to kill and yeah. i've now got this unkillable yeah. smash captain in my army while you're running yeah. around with like a, a, a redemptor with a gammy leg and you know <laughs> some 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 intercessors who've got like a bit faster movement or something right because you doled out your bonuses yeah i mean i i would agree 100 percent that power creep in in crusade can absolutely be a thing i do wonder though is if that is a symptom of playing in london where it is kind of a little bit skewed towards the the competitive meta because like have you got a situation where competitive players are trying like this crusade system and on reflex are just sort of saying oh yeah my my narrative is that he's the best yeah. so uh yeah like, um, so yeah I, could... I can tell you by comparison right now i've got a scrap jet <laughs> in my crusade list which got a battle scar in its first outing and it still maintains it to this day because i haven't got around to repairing it which is really funny since the new codex because his battle scar is that if he's hit by a strength 8 or higher weapon, he suffers a mortal wound in addition to the not, uh, everything else. Which means this scrapjet <laughs> really does not like strength 8 weapons. Oof, oof. It, it, it's fine against 7 and less. It's really resilient. And then as soon as it hits that 8 yeah. bracket, it just falls apart. I like that. That that does oh, play. Nice. That plays quite nicely to the ramshackle rule, It does, I think. doesn't it? That's uh, quite nice. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of add to it. It's like, yeah, I've built this jet and I've put my fuel tanks on it. So it, if it gets hit by a puny, humi gun, it's all right. But if it gets hit by a lad's cannon, it's going to blow up. So <laughs> I'll take my chances, all right? I'll get it going. I mean, it'll be fine. I can't believe we went through almost an entire episode and ad without Adam doing an impression. Me doing a stupid <laughs> voice, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, we love this on the Conclave, Adam does the best impressions I have oh, really? ever heard in my life. You do, I do genuinely. I do, I do slightly stupid voices and I like orcs because orcs sound like, unlike this slightly refined accent that I have to put on for my job, I'm, I am actually a South Londoner, so my dad sounds a lot like an orc, or sounded a lot like an orc when he was around. Um, so, uh, you know, it had that, had that quality to it growing up. Uh... <laughs> 
So yeah, I mean, oh I think to sort of round this out then for the show, there's a little thought exercise I thought would be interesting to just uh, run through with you guys because I think a fair takeaway from this conversation then really is that um, I think competitive play has its place in the natural progression of the hobby journey for a lot of players these days. You know, as we've said, it, it's quite often a go-to point of view one's people know what they're doing you know and want to know more yeah. and how to do better mm-hmm. and like say playing events play and so so on and so forth perhaps it's more the case that actually it's not new players who need horizons expanding but perhaps more the experienced players and actually after you've been into the hobby for so long the competitive scene just becomes the habit it becomes the reflex and actually I've heard this sentiment more recently from a few other sources that the GT mission packs and so on and the game of 9th edition might be starting to feel a bit stale but it's only because Mm. you're just rinsing and repeating your GT formats over and over and when there's so much more to expand into so I thought it'd be interesting to run through a couple of points of like formats and such that exist currently in 9th edition with you two and ask if either of you have or haven't played these if that makes sense, because oh, no. you're both quite experienced players, <laughs> I would say at this point. I know how this is going to go. Oh yep. no! Okay. <laughs> so, like the very basic one to start with is the three ways to play. So, have either of you ever played an open play game? No. Okay. The two of you. I have. Uh, I have. I played two open play games. This, again, again, another name drop. Uh, both of them were bat reps I did with Winters. Yeah, because uh, he uses it, open it, play a lot, doesn't he? he use, yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as well, the reason he uses open play is because it's a quick, casual pickup game. Mm. Um, and it's really, it can be really fun, especially to film, because you can have these cool, random moments. Well, they, they also brought back the cards, right? The yes, like, Maelstrom so, of War type cards, didn't they? So I, to, be, yeah. to be fair, oh, okay, oh, sorry, I'm jumping the yeah, other. I was okay. going to say, I, I, haven't, I haven't played a game of that, but actually, I would like, I'd like to get all of those cards and give it a go, because I think that would be yeah. really quite fun. They are. I've got them, yeah, and they're brilliant, and I highly recommend them. So, yeah. like I said, we'll just we'll fire through these as a bit of a quick fire, so basically yes-no <laughs> sort of thing, maybe with a number if you know yep. off the top of your head, and it will give you an idea mm-hmm. of what you have and haven't experienced, even though you are experienced hobbyists. So mm-hmm. we've got open play. Narrative play. Have you ever played a narrative play game? Once. Are we? Are we included? Is Crusade included? Wait, wait, I would, yeah, I would class separate? Crusade as narrative play at this point. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I, I've okay. I've played like five or six games yep. of, of narrative play in Crusade. So I did do a Crusade, uh, Crusade, a Crusade, then, Crusade, uh, prior to lockdown. Yep. And then obviously, as the three ways to play, we've got match play. Yes, of course. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> You've played a lot. Of yes. Games. Yeah. Yeah, we played some match play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, a lot of it. Yeah. Have you both played games with points values? Yes. Yes. Have you ever played games with power level? Yes. Not once. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Crusade. Crusade uses power level. But did you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course. But did you play it with power level? Because I do, and obviously Adam says he does. But I know a lot of people will play Crusade with points values. Really? I, oh, really? I thought because I, I know I just Crusade. I did. Everybody used power because I guess it was sort of relatively new at the time, so everybody used the power level. I didn't know people were using points for it. I know no, there are use, advocates use out there guys. who suggest yeah, using use points level. or power level, but I personally use power level and I do recommend it. Yeah. But yeah, then, I, I would say so too. Following up, uh, a GT mission pack. Have you ever played a game with one of those? 
<laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Many. Quite a few times. <laughs> Have you ever played a Crusade mission pack? Yes. Ah, not the mission, um, not the not the like expanded ones. No, no. Bear in mind there are now oh, four yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. To be <laughs> fair, not the not the expansions, only like the original Crusade stuff when it came out. Yeah, so that's that's what I So like, there's there are now four Crusade mission packs in ninth edition, which gives us a hundred and twenty yeah. plus Crusade missions, <laughs> and yet neither of you have ever played either of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Have either of you? played Maelstrom of War not in ninth. no not in 9th yes yeah, yeah I really loved in 8th yeah but yeah. it's still, it's it, still I loved thing. it in 8th I know it's a white dwarf thing but it <laughs> is still a thing in ninth edition true true so then have either of you played in an ITC event anything that awards yes. ITC for yes mm-hmm. yes yes Adam more so but yes by comparison <laughs> yes, yeah. Have either of you ever played in a 40k campaign? Yes. Yeah. I have um, done. Not yet. Not yet. Didn't you do one of the Wargaming Guild ones, Cripster? I, I, I couldn't. Back I did, in I didn't have time. Uh, oh, in eight. No, no, I, I did swear. the Escalation League. I didn't have you time. You did Escalation League, yeah. You didn't, you didn't do yeah. the like, campaign thing. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually planning to do the one with, with Kareem. Then, have either of you ever played a game with the open war cards? Uh, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, played the open war game. Yep, yeah, so yes and no. And then Crusade itself, an actual Crusade game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not as much as I'd like, though. Yeah. Have either of you ever played with a theatre of war? No. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No, no. So they're like you know the environmental rules that you add to a game to represent like the planet or environment that you're playing on. Oh yeah. So I've, yeah. does it does it count if I've gonna I've done a game as part of like a, 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 a what you call it like a campaign where we did have those effects? So I we would, had like a limited range on stuff because there was like it was like dark. Yeah, I would I would say yes. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's like, okay. That's sort of like the twist in like open war cards and stuff. But in, I mean, yeah. in this example. In across ninth edition, Games Workshop has now put out probably close to 30, 40 theaters of war to play in. Mm. To play your any game of forty K, be it, you know, Crusade, match play, competitive, whatever. Now obviously I understand why they don't have a place in competitive, because they are inherently very swingy environments that will have, you know, effects on the players that are beyond their control. And I understand that's not necessarily a thing you'd like to introduce into a competitive environment. But it's a thing that's there to play with, and every game of Ninth Edition I've ever played, I've played in the Theatre of War, and I haven't used the duplicate yet. <laughs> that's oh cool. my word! That's really cool. No, I've not, not done that's that in Ninth. Eight. Um, and then finally, have you ever played any of the alternate game modes? So in this case, I'm talking Cities of Death, Planet Strike, or even Apocalypse. No, like, wait, Cities of Death is a thing. Yep, there was an entire box set campaign system released in 8th edition for it. Um, <laughs> it actually came out alongside Shadowsteel. Oh, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, I remember oh, that. Urban yeah, yeah, all that urban warfare stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. Never yeah, played I it, but I remember that. what you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I I am no in no way fast enough a painter to play Apocalypse. Um, give me three more years <laughs> and we'll talk. <laughs> that is, it is. Do you know what? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that, um, Tony, because the we actually we we were talking me and uh, Warhipster the other day. We're talking about the city fight rules from yeah. like I guess back in back in the day, and he said he'd love to oh, do a thing where it was just all city. Damn, fight. I'm lying. Kill Team. I played Kill Team. I played a bunch of Kill oh, Team. Oh, yeah, you played Kill Team. That yeah. counts. Yeah. Well, incidentally, it's a different game system these days. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, to be fair, I was... That's like saying I play Necromunda. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this kind of counts. But <laughs> I was actually going to say, um, I've got a, a few friends um, who play Kill Team, and they... Honestly, I think Kill Team is like AOS like this. The people I know who play Kill Team and AOS rave about it they love it so like war hipster guys over at vanguard tactics they all love both game systems so apparently can't rate them highly enough yeah so yeah like do you sort of see my point with that is that i do not think there's anything wrong with competitive play at all but i also think that even experienced players as yourself you've sort of obviously had more experience playing with the typical itc events gt mission packs you know definitely definitely all the rest of it then you have things like Crusade by comparison in quantity, or things like Theatres of War or Cities of Death, just at all. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, hundred percent. And it does, it does, it does show you that that domination that the comp- like if you did it as a pie chart, like the competitive scene would just be the ma- the majority of it. And then mm. there's those whole systems, which you know stuff gets published in White Dwarf all the time as well. Which like yeah. I hold my hands up. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't, I just I didn't even really mention flashpoints. Right? Yeah, I could have included. Yeah, that I was gonna say yeah. There's all those flash flashpoints, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. I don't even know what a flashpoint is. Oh, they're brilliant. Uh, we've I've got at least three episodes on them. Go back and check them. <laughs> when we, when we, I tell you what, I tell you what, we'll make we'll make you a deal, right? When, and it's not an if, it's a when we come mm. up to Nottingham, right? We'll get a table at Warhammer World. <laughs> presuming they're they're open and we can do it and we can let you games master and obviously in play but games master a narrative you know you pick you can pick city fight you can pick whatever you want and we'll now we'll do a little game up there with it how about yeah, that that'd be it. brilliant i would happily do that that'd be amazing yeah i'd love to do awesome. it I'd love to see that come on there so yeah like I, I think to sort of you know, bring all that round to a sort of conclusion for tonight then really is that i think perhaps maybe there's more to the hobby journey and more steps to it than maybe some people have taken yet and not out of a lack of willingness but maybe just out of a you know not having had opportunity or time or knowledge that there are other steps to take and that's one of the things that really i just try to push with this podcast is to let people know those opportunities are there and to give them reason to experience them yeah, definitely no and i think i think it, yeah. honestly it's a great it's a great thing to do and it's nice to see somebody who is you know like yourself who is so enthusiastic about that narrative side of it actually speaking up for it because mm-hmm. you know there are there are champions out there in the community so i think winters is a good example of somebody who, yeah. who actively loves narrative and that's his thing say hi paul um, as well say oh yeah oh god yeah i can't i can't not the move god on. Of him at the end say hi yeah. paul if people haven't seen his youtube channel do do check him out say hi paul is like his house is like a it's like warhammer world right <laughs> oh i think he's probably god. got more warhammer than warhammer world it's remarkable um and the man is a narrative king i have seen battle reports with him where he's been like if i move this guy up i might win the game but he's a coward 
So he's actually going to head the other way, right? Yeah. That's commitment to a cause, and yeah, I respect that. Um, so, so no, so big shout out to him. But yeah, it's it's great, you know, yourself as well. It's great to see somebody who is enthusiastic about it actually, you know, flying the flag for narrative. And as you have just so neatly proven with that thought experiment, right? <laughs> you can be an experienced, again, air quotes, experienced player, but you're just not going to see half the game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have you have opened my eyes to this, oh, this yeah. brand new world of things in the hobby that I have just not experienced slash barely knew existed. So thank you for that, if nothing else. That is, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and do some research now. Well, honestly, the quickest and easiest thing to do, if you go back through the narrative wargamer, and I'm not saying listen to every episode, just have a look at the episode titles. Because basically yeah. that works as a itinerary. Because everything, typically every episode, is about whatever's going on. Like I say, the next two episodes are going to be um, Octarius Rising Tide and the Containment Mission Pack. And we're not yes. going to touch on anything that any of the other typical match play you know, podcasts will touch on because we're going to talk about the campaign systems and everything else contained within. I think that was the most seamless self-plug I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's, it's it's genuinely it's amazing. I loved it beautiful it was lovely uh no yeah definitely well but i'll definitely i'm gonna check it out and, and i'm looking forward to your Same. your content on octarius as well because i think it is called the missions i did read through um the ones for um the book of rust what was that called i just noticed uh, the book of rust and the book Plague of fire Bridge. what was the system yeah 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 yeah. The, but the um what are they actually called charadon that's it charadon i was trying mm. to my brain oh the charadon books, um, but yes. I, yeah. I did i did like through i did like the the the, the campaign stuff they had in there again i think i think the issue and and sorry i will round this out because i'm trying to get to the end of the episode <laughs> but i think the other issue is time right it is, i yes, think that is the other thing we need to bear in mind right it, it, as you say with with crusade it is a, a fair amount of bookkeeping but actually convincing people to say hey come on why don't we come down and maybe do a narrative evening or even a day right but you can have a proper bit of like campaign rules and stuff like that i think because of the dominance of, of the competitive side it is fundamentally a little bit easier to just turn up and go oh yeah i've got two thousand points of x you've got two thousand points of y here's a mission pack let's go right and actually showing people that it's just as easy to do the narrative stuff is really important so that's why what you're doing is so good i can tell you for a fact that my pick up and play games now uh, admittedly it's with my sort of hobby circle but it's not like it's planning to a campaign i just say hey do you want a game you know next weekend yeah sure is i pick a crusade mission pack pick a mission from Mm. it either randomly or chosen we don't play it as a crusade game. We just play that mission with a standard match play game, and we pick one theater of war to play in. So the most recent game I played, uh, I played against Tyranids with my orcs. We rolled up a mission from um, amidst the ashes as a mission pack, and we played on a devoured world from the Pariah Ooh. Psychic Awakening book. So it represented. Oh, yeah. A world in the later stages have been digested by a Tyranid Hive Fleet. The world's already doomed, and these orcs Good are just soup. trying to yeah, <laughs> these orcs are just trying to escape. And that's all it was. We we played our two thousand point game, and we just had a mission and an environment, and that's all it took. We didn't do a crusade game, and it created a very unique experience that's completely different to playing a GT mission. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right, come on then, Alex. Sure when, we, when we when we when we doing it when we doing it on a devoured world because Big Daddy Big Daddy Broodlord's hungry. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, I'm bringing the fists. I'm bringing the Imperial fists. We're going to do this. I love it. <laughs> right. Well, 
uh, to that end, then um, I look forward to hearing about it in the future. <laughs> Please tell us about Definitely. it. Definitely. Um, I don't know if or when we may ever get either of you back on the show again in the future, but you've also got an open invite anytime because it's been wonderful oh, having very you. kind of you. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Um, it's been so, a pleasure being here. Yeah, it's been a pleasure listening to you. Like, honestly, a couple of times I've had to remind myself I'm part of the conversation and not just listening. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can, you can just say, you can just say I talk too much. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, oh, you and me both. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as... <laughs> As you may have heard previously, if you've listened before, if you've seen the show notes, uh, the sort of sign-off for all these really is always um, about discovering more ways to play. So, you know, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. It's been a great show, and I'd, I'd love to do it again sometime. And, uh, yeah, I think we've we've had plenty of uh, selfless and self-fulfilling plugs tonight, so <laughs> I think we need to go with a community shout out i'll have fun making notes of all of the ones we've mentioned to put in the description of this episode <laughs> oh my god so many <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um anything else you'd like to say before we round it out and walk out the door tonight um thanks thanks so much for having us on it's been been brilliant yeah. to come on and uh, and just chat honestly we like talking about warhammer doesn't doesn't matter what it is right law narrative competitive points missions whatever we love talking about it so being on here and talking to you and talking to someone with with you know particularly for the level of enthusiasm you have for the, the stuff you do and actually learning a bit more about the narrative side i think that's fantastic so honestly great way to spend a thursday evening <laughs> yeah agreed agreed it's been fantastic to be on thank you so much for having us um so yeah, yeah. come down to bad moon and, and do some narrative stuff down here as well you know we'll come <laughs> yeah, up to Nottingham, it. then you've got to come down to bad moon uh, when i can yeah, yeah and uh <laughs> And yeah, feel free to slide into my DMs anytime you want. <laughs> on on that note, guys, uh, thanks again for everything tonight. It's been great. And uh, yeah, until next time, this has been the Narrative Wargamer podcast, helping you to discover more ways to play 40k. Bye. Bye.